Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys so much for being with us here for episode number 243 it is monday october the 18th 2021 we're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always i'm joe Murata, joined by michael quinn how you doing there michael howdy doody question for you yes you ready to romp i'm ready to romp that's what we do around here are you ready to romp is that even a song no but it should be yeah uh, folks, thank you guys so much for being with us here. We are going to romp you through the world of retro wrestling. Before we get to any of our topics, a few administrative things, Quinn. Yeah. We always have we, this. We always uh, hit the hit the typewriters. Yeah. <laughs> the ticker tape out yeah. there. Uh, we'll get through this real quick, folks. So first things first, if you have a Twitter account, you can follow us there for drama-free daily wrestling posts and gifts and things like that. And that is at OVP Podcast on Twitter. Give us a follow if you don't. You can also email us if you want to at OVPPodcast at gmail.com. That is ow, vppodcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, mm-hmm. if people want to actually talk to you and me and over 1,200 other retro wrestling fanatics, there's a place. Where is it? Over at facebook.com slash talk. Yes. It's, it's the talk. It's Just hot. like that ABC show. Remember don't, the talk or the stew or up. something. Anyway, over at facebook.talk, they have a search bar. You right. Can type into that search bar. Our vantage point, yes, Retro Wrestling Podcast, Bing Bang Boom, Tube Score, Kafui. You hit the group button, you're in. And the only rule, Quinn, and correct me if I'm wrong, please, but I believe you're only agreeing to one rule, which is don't be a dunderhead. Is that don't, right? Yeah, don't be a dunderhead. What does that mean, really? Well, our group is a place where if you want to talk about old wrestling, you know, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, even the 2000s, we're a great place for that because we try to do it in the way where we're nice to each other. And that's all we mean by don't be a dunderhead. Don't be a jerk. Right. Don't be an ass. That's you know? like England for don't be a jerk, right? Dunderhead. <laughs> yeah, is yeah that... it's England. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what they say over there. Well, English, Quinn, as you've always said, is a Germanic language, yes. right? Uh, is it German then? I believe Dunder sounds a little German oh, to me. Dunder Mifflin. But <laughs> one way or another, don't drop the chili, Kevin. Just come on over to the group. That's an office reference for you out there. And really, talk about old wrestling. It is a fun time. Just be nice to each other. No personal attacks and things like that. Keep it fun, keep it light, disagree all you want, uh, but have fun talking about the old wrestling, and that's on Facebook. And also, if you like OVP, just a quick reminder, we have a lot of extra content available, and it's available on patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Out right now in the pay-per-view tier is Royal Rumble 94. That pay-per-view tier goes all the way back to the first WrestleMania. Wow. I know, indeed. It's a lot of shows. It is, Quinn. And then also on the 1984 canon, we are currently in April of 84. Again, a lot of shows. A lot of stuff. hundreds, I think, at this point. I think there is. That goes all the way back to January of 82. So you got two separate shows there that you can dive into, and it's for a very small donation. Again, if you like OVP and you want to support us, you're going to get a lot of extra content in return. And that is over on Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Michael? Yes? The particulars are out of the way. We got it all done. We, we made it. <laughs> we did it, folks. And now it is time for our opening segment. And this one is a new one, obviously, as we do every season. The last couple have been really fun. This is a segment, folks, where we are talking about 
generally a wrestler, but it could be a match concept. It could be a lot of different things that was successful and popular and worked in other territories, other promotions besides the WWF. And to kind of exemplify that, the last two that we did was Barry Windham last week right. as a singles wrestler. WWF star. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. To open the segment, we did a Tony Anthony, Dirty White right. Boy. Yep. So these are the things that were great, were talented, were successful, were popular, but for whatever reason, when they went to the WWF, it just didn't work. This is a segment called Anywhere But New York. I'm in a New York state of mind. Sad. It's so sad. It's very sad. It's the saddest. <laughs> so, Quinn, we had a couple of requests for this one, a couple of different people. Mm-hmm. And, folks, we are taking requests. Just do that on the Facebook group. But we had uh, Don Depinay, or Depinant, we don't know. We, we, we haven't known for years. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to know. Yeah, don't tell us. <laughs> don't it, tell it's us. more fun that way. It is. Don Depinay and Christian Ouellette both wanted us to talk about Diamond Dallas Page. DDP, and I hope you're playing the good music, not that horrible WWF dubbed over one right now. <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. No, it'll be the good one. Don't yeah. worry about that. So Diamond Dallas Page, folks, was a very successful and popular wrestler in WCW. Mm-hmm. In the WWF, he was not, and we will talk about why and what happened. But I feel like they still, to this day, on the, because of that dub, they, they make him like even now seem lesser than he was. He's one of the most... like over time lessened guys I've ever seen. You know, and it's kind of sad because he was, uh, for several years in WCW, a very influential part of their programming, and he was like a one main of the star. Top guys. He right. was like Sting levels. Like, yeah. He was in the main event like, all the time. He was, like, he was the main event. Hogan and stuff. Held the world title, held the US title, held the TV yeah. title, held a lot of titles, right? My whole life, I looked for this dream. This is what, this is the impossible. Like I said before, the anomaly wasn't supposed to happen. Well, it did, and I got it. But how do we get there? And again, this is not a whole career retrospective, this segment. But to sum it up, DDP started in wrestling actually as a manager. And that was first right. in the AWA, and he had the Diamond Exchange. That's right, baby. He's back. The mercenary himself is back. That's right, baby. And I brought him here. Diamond Dallas Page. Here he is. The mercenary himself. Colonel De Beers. And honestly, as a manager, he's okay. He's a good mm. talker. He's not amazing, though, right? He's right. decent manager. He's that- decent, but he's got... There's there's a uniqueness and a coolness yes. about him that I always liked, and I know that you know if you don't like New Jersey, maybe you don't get it or something. Well, he is he's from got, the Jersey Shore. He's got this very he does have very sure guy kind of thing to him, right? Yes, he you does. ever noticed that even back in the day, right? It's oh like, yeah, we heard him on some of those older shows, and I'm like, yeah, this is like every cool guy I've ever met at the Jersey Shore. I too am a neat guy. Either rides a Harley or listens to Motley Crue or something yeah, like he, that. He you goes know on I mean. the weekends for the cover bands. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. He might be in one. Yeah, uh, and on it, the so- just as a hobby. Yeah, right? not, not not normally. Not making a lot of money. Yeah, and then DDP took his act over to Florida Championship Wrestling. We've seen him there as a color man, right? Uh, and he's fine at all of this, right? And welcome to Florida Championship Wrestling. Diamond Dallas Page has joined me. Famously drove the pink Cadillac at WrestleMania six. His first foray into uh, New York. Yep, that's correct. Yeah. But then he took his act over to WCW. Mm-hmm. And in WCW, he was associated with the Freebirds as their manager, which was weird because he is almost Michael Hayes. Yeah, I actually think that's a great pairing. It is. No, it's on- a good pairing. To be honest with it you, makes he sense. fits right in with that. Right. And then he also had his diamond mind over there, mm-hmm. diamond mine, uh, with Scotty Flamingo. Right. Obviously, the eventual Raven. Also, the diamond stud, if mm-hmm. you recall, he managed him. This man right here. Six foot seven, 298 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. The diamond stud. 
And there was also the Vegas connection, if you recall that team. That was him and Kevin Nash. These are all things that make a lot of sense in, in the context of time in Dallas. Page. Yes, and early. They all sound slightly trashy, yeah. and, they're, and they're, they're, they're pretty, like, cool if you right. like Guns N' Roses a lot. <laughs> there like, you go. That Axel. Yeah. But one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is he wasn't wrestling. Right. So he didn't wrestle at the beginning. Um, no. He was just a manager. And honestly, that contributes a lot to things later on because he Correct. spent all these years not wrestling. And so he was gaining age. Yes. Um, as age. You, yeah, you gain that after years go by. <laughs> you get more age. Is that what happens? Yeah. And when your age level goes up, your productivity level goes down in oh. wrestling. So Whoa, man. I didn't know you that. You see, this, this is the science of it. So, <laughs> so he's gaining more age and he's not wrestling. So at the tender age of 35, which is your age, Quinn, right? he decided to become a wrestler. Yeah. That'd be like if Quinn, you know, because you're a big guy, you know? I'm a big guy. 6'4", six, um, six, muscly, um, <laughs> and I work out every day. Oh, yeah. Um, That'd be like if you jumped in. I could do it. Oh, yeah. So uh, DDP started training to become an actual wrestler in 1991 at the age of 35, and he worked hard at it. And that's one of the things that people always respected about DDP mm-hmm. is he worked his ass off. He says he went to the power plant for four years. Makes sense. All the time. You, you could even see his body progressively like getting better and better and better. And then yep. like he's like near his 40s. He looks great. He looks like, awesome. Yeah. It's like, whoa, like this doesn't look like that pudgy looking jerk guy right. from, from like, the late 80s and yeah, Norma Jeans. It doesn't look and, like him at all. No. He looks like ripped and worked out and stuff. Yep. So his his singles career really came into its own in 94. And again, we're not going through the whole thing, but I want to just mention, I'll mention one highlight and then Quinn can mention the other because I know mm-hmm. he needs to. So the first thing is that he did all this arm wrestling shit. Yeah. In 94, 95, he had Max Muscle and he had the Diamond Doll, right? right. Dave Sullivan, you know, right. was his uh, big first feud, right? I don't think in that's the arm a bad wrestling first uh, feud. I know. Evad's uh, great. King Lion and all King that Lion, stuff. Yeah. What about the King Lion? Oh, there he is. He wants his date. I know you got your heart going to see the King Lion. How you got me doing? Going to see the Lion King. But then that leads to a feud with Johnny B. Bad. Right. Which Quinn will fawn over, obviously. It is so lovely. And DDP loses all of his money. Right. Let me just say this. Go this for is, it. This is the feud that made me, like, fall in love with DDP. Like, I became, like, a huge fan after this. And the time frame here is early 96. It's early. It's It started in late 95, yes. actually. I mean, they, they'd been feuding for, like, a year or something, right, before this. Yeah. I feel like every month on pay-per-view in late 95, right, he, he started, like, kind of pissing off Kimberly little by little. Little by little. Little by little. And it, it's sad, really. She she loves him, but he, well, she, he's just being a jerk off all the time. She used to rate him a 10 on everything he did, and then, then remember that was one, like a 1 or something. Or a 0, a zero. and he, he sold it. Yeah, he sold it. <laughs> so then she got a little upset with him. But here's the thing, is that we didn't realize, is Diamond Dallas Page had fallen into some money a couple months prior. Right. We thought it was, oh, this is Diamond Dallas Page's money. Obviously, he made all of this money. He's he's so successful and so, what, right. what a jerk off, right? Right. We come to find out it's not his money. Actually, Kimberly won it in a bingo, bingo game. Bingo winnings, yes. And it was like, I don't know, it was like the most wealthy bingo money ever. It's like millions of dollars or something. Well, it could be a very lucrative uh, sport, The bingo, bingo. circuit, right? <laughs> um, so anyway, she finally says, you know what? Enough with Diamond Dallas Page. He's he's annoying me. We're not, yeah. you know, we're not really married in right. kayfabe or anything. Right, like, right. Anyway, so she leaves. She They have a match, right? DDP's like, you can't leave me. Come on, you know. Why don't we have a match, right? Me versus Johnny B. Bad. Yep. So Johnny B. Bad and Diamond Dallas Page fight each other, and the winner, Kimberly, is going to go with the winner, right? Of course, DDP loses because he's a heel. Yeah. 
So he loses. And this is for the TV title, by the way. Yes, it is. Good this feud. is all for the it's a great feud, right? So this all leads to Diamond Dallas Page has no money now. And this this is what I mean about he like endeared me and what I mean about how he's a mind for a business. This was done for WCW Joe. This is top tier like we thought about it. Yeah, you know vignettes what I mean? and character work and all that vignettes stuff. Vignettes and yes. character work. So for weeks, I agree. DDP is in the streets and there's like cameras catching him and they're like, some independent cameraman shows up in a vignette and he's like, we think we found yep. like like DDP and like, I think this was him. It really looked like him. So let's show you the footage and yeah, he's a big bum on the street or whatever, right? I came across some footage the other day I thought you might be interested in. This is totally uncut and totally un unedited. I hope you might use it on your program. <laughs> that's rich. I think that's Diamond Dallas. No way, man. Seriously. Hey, check him out. Hey, hey, can we, uh, hey, can we talk to you, man? Come on. Come on. Come on. Man, whatever you guys are for about. No, no, this isn't about money. What we're doing here is conducting an interview of the homeless in the area. Get out of here, chump. That's him, man. So this is, it's the little details that, again, endear me to DDP. Yes. And only probably DDP could think of this. You start watching Saturday Night, and all of a sudden, like, there's wrestlers, and they their trunks say DDP on them, and you're like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? And then, like, the, the announcers faintly, they don't, like, overtly say it. They're like, hey, I think that's DDP's trunks, yep. right? Finally, like, they hit they hit it home when Disco Inferno, newly debuted wrestler Disco Inferno, comes out. And he starts showing off these rings, and they're, they're the DDP rings that say DDP on them. Yes. And, and, like, I'm like... This is great. Like it was. this is awesome. So basically this all disperses and then finally what's interesting about this whole phase is that this is what started DDP as a megastar. Yes it is. That people always forget this. This was the repackaging of DDP. It was and it built a lot of sympathy for him right. in the spring and summer of 96. So one day he's a hobo on the street yep. and all of a sudden a limo pulls up and he gets in. And then there's some kind of silent benefactor that we never find out who it is, even though it was supposed to be Ted DiBiase or something. Yeah. yeah. He comes back and he's the DDP that you probably know as a fan. Right. The the one that is more bang yeah. and like self high five and all right. the like the one that the, I'm jacked up. Yeah. You know? the, the legendary one. <laughs> the DDP. The right? DDP. And then that's what led to it. It is. It's absolutely so. It is a necessary component of his arc here because by the time he comes back and he's into this tweener mode and then quickly becomes a face. The NWO is here, and he's like, yo, right. fuck the NWO. Well, okay, at first they try to, like... They try to get him, but they he doesn't want it. They try to get him, but he's like, ah, self-high-five, like, Jersey, Jersey Shore, fuck those guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's DDP. He doesn't... He honestly is a character he should fit in, but he doesn't really. He doesn't want to. Yeah, they're, they're like a different kind of cool. Hey! Oh! No! No, no, I can't believe what I'm seeing. You just made a big mistake, Dallas. He spends now the rest of 96, all of 97, as a very over face. Randy Savage had a lot to do with that as well, because their mm-hmm. 97 feud was excellent. He also has fake smells like Teen Spirit music, and yeah. it's it's great, but you would never know that if you watched the <laughs> WWE Peacock Network yeah, or whatever. it is dubbed. Uh, he became the U.S. champion, and then he had a great 98, obviously the Jay Leno angle and all that. But, but the, again, he's involved in he's that. He's a That's, top guy. This is what I mean about he's so he's top tier. Because he can do the character work, he can do the promo work, he can do the appearances. He finally um, even gets into a match with Goldberg, where that was the first time even I, as a fan, was like, oh, he might win. Yeah. He might beat Goldberg. That's I mean, how over this guy he, was. He, I thought he could. Right. So we go on the rest of his WCW career. He turns heel again in 97. He wins the world title a few times. Well, actually, it was 1999. But I'm sure you just misspoke. It happens. Nobody is perfect. 
Especially horrible pieces of shit like you. He's there until the very end of WCW, until 2001. WCW goes out of business. We all know that Vince buys it. He owns his competition. Ha ha. My semen. Jeff Jarrett will not work here. <laughs> Fuck Jeff Jarrett. Good. And then uh, we we know the botched invasion angle, but DDP was actually a part of that, but he didn't debut at WrestleMania in the box with all the jobbers. Right. right? So they, they clearly like wanted to make him something. Yes. So, But he comes to New York. He was one of the questionable people. It's like, where's Sting? Where's DDP? Where's Goldberg? Goldberg. People like, like that, Hogan. Yeah, exactly. It's like DDP was in that list. But DDP was one of the few that actually took the buyout so he could sign with WWF, and he didn't right. sit out his contract. Right. But some he was of the other old. guys. Yeah, he was already 44, 45. He's like, 45. I got to cash almost. in because WWF is probably going to give me a bunch of money. Right. right? So we get this angle where Undertaker has a wife named Sarah Taker. Sarah, Sarah Undertaker. Taker comes along, yeah, right, which was a, another weird... This is crappy. I don't like this Sarah Taker thing. I don't like this era of The Undertaker, I'm going to yeah. be honest with you. And apparently she's being stalked, right? And there's right. all these vignettes and this mysterious, you know, distorted voice, kind of sounds like nails, mm-hmm. is, is filming her and watching her and all this. This is The Undertaker's wife, Sarah, combing her beautiful blonde hair. She has a nice figure. And I believe, just for trivia's sake, at the time, 20 years ago, uh, someone took the voice and made it normal speed, and it was Vince doing the voiceovers. Of course. That Very makes Vince, right? I'll, I'll do it, pal. I'll fucking do it. Yeah. This is The Undertaker's wife, Sarah, combing her beautiful blonde hair. She has a nice figure. For reference, this is Biker Taker, mm-hmm. but the annoying end of it, like... Bo- Booger Red. Booger version. Red, like right before he turns heel, <laughs> where he just no-sells everything. He's very human, like, and it's annoying. Yeah, but he's like, like oh, I'm a biker, yeah. you know, and it's, fuck off. I might be undead, I'm not sure. There's an annoying point of his career, and it's around 2000 to 2004, yeah. where he's incredibly annoying. The biker's cool at the beginning, but then it isn't. And, and then that's it, right? Yeah. So we get the big reveal, and the guy's in a mask and all this, right? And he's in the middle of the ring. Who's the stalker going to be? Takes off the mask. Huge pop for DDP. Until you realize... Why the fuck is DDP a stalker? That doesn't fit his character at all. It really doesn't. It's, it's not even how he is. That's more of like a Jake Roberts thing or yeah. Raven or somebody. He's not that character. No. He's he's cool, like, kind of, I don't care. You know, like, he's that kind of guy. So even though he gets a great pop, what happens for the following, like, rest of this angle is The Undertaker gives him nothing, right? And this is what, what I want to talk about with this angle here. In New York, this is DDP's big angle there. The Undertaker kicks his ass all over the place. They have an unsanctioned brawl at King of the Ring, mm-hmm. 2001. Undertaker kicks his ass. They have matches on Raw. Undertaker kicks his ass. No matter what happens, Undertaker kicks his ass. I don't even remember him getting offense ever. He, he doesn't really yeah. a little bit here and there. It's poor. In the invasion- this, is, this is DDP, one of the top-tier right. WCW people. Right. In the Invasion match, you know, the big main event of the Invasion, mm-hmm. the 10-man tag, Undertaker kicks his ass. <sighs> Sarah Undertaker pins him at one point in a match on Raw or something. That's Smacked good. down one of those things. Match is underway, and here we go. And look at Sarah. Former world champion, Diamond Dallas Page. Now, do I agree that, hey, DDP's clearly the heel here. Should yes. he get comeuppance? Absolutely. But, but he, he should also, you know, be equal to The Undertaker. Not even I, equal, but he should, at least as the feud goes on, have some kind of a threat to him. Even if he has to use underhanded tactics to get a win over the guy, to do something to get 
a advantage over the Undertaker for a period of time to build suspense, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, it's just like Undertaker kicks his ass, 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 over. And by the time it's all over, DDP is like damaged goods and he's garbage. And he's a motivational speaker gimmick, and then that's how his career ends there. I'm going to continue to help all of you like you. It's so disappointing, poor, after all of this great shit. Right. Macho man feuds, NWO, you know, he's he's just a top guy. And then comes here and it's just like, look, The Undertaker just beat the shit out of him. Now he's crap. Now, I have heard, Quinn, I don't know if this is true, that The Undertaker had a problem with him in real life for trying to, like, either didn't sell something the right way one time or something. That or sounds like The Undertaker. <laughs> tried to, like, overplan a match because DDP was a planner, you right. know, like a Randy Savage. But I think there's something to be said for this era of Undertaker being kind of aggravating. Yes. And I thought that at the time, right? I couldn't believe that they were just like, let's feed DDP to Undertaker, not let's have this awesome feud. I was right. so disappointed by this at the time. Right. It made me hate both of them. Like, yeah, I didn't like any of it. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't like Undertaker now. I don't like DDP now. And that annoys me because I love DDP. Right. You know? See, I thought the stalking angle was stupid, right? I did. Oh, I thought I did. that was... That didn't fit him. Right. It, did, it didn't at all, especially a guy that's supposed to have a hot chick girlfriend right. all the time. Where was Kimberly in all of this? I don't think she ever went with him. She didn't want the paycheck? I, I, guess I don't not. know. And then I think they retconned it within the storyline that DDP's like, I didn't care about Sarah Undertaker. I just wanted to make an impact, which is even stupider, right? Mm-hmm. It really is. I just wanted to get in his head, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. That type of thing. But let me play devil's advocate just because, you know, there's always that contingent of people. DDP was 45 years old. Mm-hmm. What the hell else were they going to do with them? What could... Okay, let me ask you in even they more even-handed way. What else should they have done with them? So, here's the thing. His run probably couldn't have been any more than a year. Right, I agree. But, big but, he should have not just had this soul feud with The Undertaker. He should, they should have put him around with other people and made him look like a star. Like, DDP is one of those guys that you want to get as many of these dream matches... True. ...notched on the in, into the WWF archives of video... Like, as much as you can. DDP Steve Austin. Yeah. DD- For example. DDP Rock. Rock. Yeah, like, you know, right. you want him to fight all the best attitude people. That's, there's no other reason to get him, especially <laughs> it's true. when you're competing with the age. And like, you're, yeah. trying, you're trying to beat the age, right? He needs to go have the best matches he can have with the best guys as quick as possible, and then he's going to retire, leave the memories alone. So you, you know? mean, like, not team or feud with christian or whatever the fuck he did in 2002 yeah like shit like like don't be on fucking velocity right or whatever like when the tag titles with canyon or whatever they did i didn't even know that happened i know no one does yeah i like canyon yeah not a problem with canyon i mean canyon was in his his triad wasn't he he so it made sense right jersey triad yeah, I, I'm with you, Quinn. I don't think it, I don't think DDP should have won a title necessarily. No, I think he did no, no, win the tag no. titles, but it's just so that you have a bunch of pay per view matches. Maybe he gets a win here and there. He right. beats somebody. Not kill him out of the gate. Literally, right. the day he debuts, once the mask is off, the Undertaker kicks his ass yeah. and continues to kick his ass. It's over. I got an idea. It's over. Why not just have him do all these feuds, but the but the stalker things going on in parallel, and you don't know it's DDP, till, and that's his final feud. Is oh, see, so that would have been cool. And the Undertaker like punches him out of wrestling or something because so, he's because he pissed him off right? so he's, he's there he's there as regular ddp but on the side there's the stalker there's angle. this parallel angle going on for like a year and that's ddp's final match is with the undertaker where he just gets his that's ass whooped actually pretty good yeah uh so to recap it here folks uh, 
it's the Undertaker's fault. Yeah. <laughs> and Vince's, I, again, not many people that, that were WCW originals came in and looked good out of this angle. The invasion, I it mean. It was one of the, very the biggest few. criticisms of all of it, yeah. if you recall. Yeah. I mean, Booker T came out good. I mean, not a lot of WCW guys they came made Hulk off well. look good. Well, yeah, of course. Uh, but he's a WWF guy. Right. And I'm Hall talking, and Nash, they treated well. You know? WWF guys. Yeah. But in terms of like strictly true WCW originals, this is one of the few they had. And they completely. Rey Mysterio is yeah, one they really Ray liked. Ray was good. All right. With that said, folks, let us know what you think they could have done with DDP. Should they have even gotten him? I think they should have. I think it was worth a shot. Like Quinn said, mm-hmm. you're going to get him because you can have these maybe dream matches, quote unquote. They didn't really do that. The Undertaker kind of gave him no, nothing in this feud. Mm-hmm. It was very one-sided. It was poorly thought of, poorly conceived, poorly executed, and uh, a very sour note in the career of an otherwise great wrestler. Yes. Diamond Dallas Agreed. Page. So, folks, let us know what you think. Uh, you can do that on Twitter, at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email, join the group, and let us know your suggestions as well. But, Quinn, when we come back, it is week number two of the Royal Rankings. It's the best WWF pay-per-views of all time. Royal Rankings will be coming up right after this. And the, the character of the demented stalker of, of Undertaker's wife couldn't be more different than what DDP was doing. Right. In the, so that's a big leap of faith also to, be, right. to say, can this guy handle this? Right. And, and, and I don't know. I, I don't know why they came up with that or why they would have come up with that. And again, if those characters, if, though, if that writing staff would have known the WCW characters, that was a reach for page see every character a successful character is going to be an extension of himself because now they don't have to go out there and act they can go out there and be themselves they just have to be themselves multiplied by a hundred and um that that's not who page was hi this is jameson remember me yeah me neither You're listening to Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. It's the best. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to Our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. This is episode 243, Monday, October the 18th, 2021. Quinn would like to remind you to donate to Wikipedia. It's a good cause. They're very nice. They're very nice. Uh, So anyway, folks, thank you guys for being with us here. We are going to be kicking off week two of the Royal Rankings in just one second. But, Quinn, before we get to that, we mentioned at the top of the show, we do have a Patreon. And this is not going to be some whole five-minute commercial for Mm -hmm. this. We just want to mention, guys, that we've done the show for five years. People like it. And when they want more stuff, we have that available. And if you like it and you want more stuff... Go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Yep. All you get on this is we keep it very simple. There's a $2 tier. Right. And a $5 tier. True. Each tier has a separate show. The $2 tier gets you the 84 canon that we mentioned. This is Quinn and I watching every episode of Championship Wrestling all the way back to January of 82. Right now in April of 84. Quinn, I think sometimes maybe the year turns people off. They're like, I don't care about that era of WWF. Can you explain why there is an appeal on this? Because people do like this show. The show itself is a fun time in watching the WWF develop into an actual federation of wrestlers that doesn't stink. (laughs) Um, And it's fun to go through it. And on top of it, you're kind of just hanging out with us, right? It's just like a 
You ever hang out with your friends and watch wrestling? It's kind of just on in the background. You're just talking about other shit. Yeah. Too. That's what this is. That's it, what it's this just is. that, but you don't even have to have your friend there. We're here with you. Yeah. We're here to have have fun, make fun of the jobbers, do the things, yeah. talk about other stuff like the Carvel lady and right. stuff, and various things like that. Also, it's only an hour. Right. And it comes out every single Friday, and it's in video form or audio only form. So the canon is included with the $5 tier, which is the pay per view review tier. Now, this is going through every WWF pay per view since the first WrestleMania. Like we mentioned, out right now is Royal Rumble 94. And next month for November, the biggie, WrestleMania 10. Yeah, that, big that I'm very excited about. Now, these are like three hours or more, and it's us going through the entire pay per view. Star ratings, Quinn, very exclusive. It's very star. (laughs) It's a lot of star. If you're interested in the extra OVP stuff, I encourage you maybe just try it out for the rest of October. Again, it's a small donation, and it'll support us, and you'll get a lot of extra stuff in return. And if you decide, you know what, I don't have time to listen to this, or it's not worth it, I don't like it, I hate it, just cancel. We Mm -hmm. won't be offended. It's okay. Either way, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. Michael. Yes. The Royal Rankings. Yes, the Royal Rankings. It's week two. Mm-hmm. That means there's two names on the board. Now, folks, what is the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush? What is this? Maybe you're new. You're like, what is this? What is it? What does I, it mean? I don't, I don't know. I'll explain it to you. Each season, before the season starts, we ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. We do that on our Facebook group. And then when the voting is done, we take all those votes. We compile them up into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. And we alternate each week, best and worst. We pick two names out at a time, and then we rank them. And by the end of the season, what you are going to have is the definitive certified organic, baptized, ordained, non-GMO, USDA certified organic and healthy, best and worst WWF pay-per-views mm. of all time. Now, Quinn, there's two on the board, like we said. Right. Right now at number one, WrestleMania six. Wow. Most people agree with that. I agree with it. There was only a few dissenters. We do yeah. our best to be scientific. You know what I mean? And there was like only two on the boards, which I was two dissenters. I was, which I was surprised. It's very rare for us. I well, I thought SummerSlam '91 had a little more panache, yeah, behind it. Hutchpa, 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 We'll do our Yiddish lesson later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, at number two, SummerSlam '91, a, a great pay per view. It was close, but. We both gave the nod to WrestleMania six overall, mm-hmm. or I should say, the science gave the nod. That's true. You know, it's all scientific. This is, we have lab coats and stuff on. Yep, goggles. It's real. It's, it's behind the scenes. Petri dish. Yeah, you can see it on the raw video. Don't watch that though. <laughs> all right, Quinn. So without any further ado, why don't we go down to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings, ladies and gentlemen. Superdome, without a doubt. Now it's time to feel the heat. Put that cigarette out. And welcome to WrestleMania 10. Don't call the shaking hands. What Satan himself. Welcome to Star Spangled WrestleMania 7. Spent a lot of money. Spent a lot of money. The Royal Rankings, week number two. Best WWF pay-per-views of all time, Michael. Here we go. I am ready, man. Uh, yep. This is gonna be this is gonna be a big one, I think. This is gonna be a big one. 
The criteria on this one, it always evolves as the weeks go on because it gets harder and harder to file it down to what is the best, but I guess it's it's not just match quality. That's true. It never is. It's, it's never just that. No, unless we're ranking the best match qualities. Five-star match and six-star match. But maybe the main event plays a part because that's the main reason to see the pay-per-view Memorability usually, usually a big big one. It's like most pay-per-views you kind of just, especially once in your house starts, Some of them you're just, like, what? I don't even remember that happened. Right. The complete overall presentation, right? Yep. And if it's a fun watch, if it doesn't feel long and boring and difficult to also, get through. Also, rewatchability matters with pay-per-views. I agree. I, mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, and it's not about the financial success necessarily. It's not really. We really have the mentioned lowest that. buy rate, but it could be a really good pay-per-view. From a quality standpoint. Yeah. Uh, but maybe the importance, if nothing else, the importance of the pay-per-view and what happened at it. So, Again, the criteria, it gets developed as we go on here. We're doing experiments. We got science going on. We'll figure it out in the end. We will, Quinn. Uh, so with that said, you want to find out who drew number three? Sure. So do I. Fans, count us down. Let's all find out who drew number three. Rick Flair, you have made world. Put that cigarette out. Is that cigarette put out? Yeah. Oh, this is a big, <laughs> oh. big boy over here. Royal Rumble 92 made it. Wow. Royal Rumble 92, a Love favorite. It. Love it. Perennial favorite. Per- um, yeah, it's perennial, yeah, I guess. I mean, the Royal Rumble is perennial, right? <laughs> anyway, so it's a big favorite. And <laughs> I'm sorry. Go what? ahead. It, I, it is. It's a big favorite, <laughs> and I think that's because of the Royal Rumble match on this one, which you'd say, oh, what a bunch of morons. Of course, the Royal Rumble, right? Yeah. But it's, this is a different Royal Rumble. This is obviously probably regarded as the best one of all time. And, okay, so I say a lot of that is driven by the stipulation and the stakes, right? It's like, this is not the normal Royal Rumble fair. No, it's not, actually. Let me just run it down for you. This is January 19th, 92, Albany, New York, Quinn, your favorite, the Knickerbocker Arena. The Knickerbocker, which is a surprising (laughs) place to do something this uh, important. Fucking Albany. Yeah. Forward ham, salami, gobble goal. Anyway, we always start with the main event, and then we work backwards. So, like, Quinn mentioned the stipulation here on the 30-man Royal Rumble. Which, now, they've been doing that since 89, but this is the first time that it fucking matters. Right, because every year before this, it was just, Hulk Hogan wins! Yeah, so that's, John Studd. John, yeah, it's, it's just, it's very nice. John Studd. John the Studd. Yeah, but, I mean, or Duggan. Right. In that weird one. In 88, yeah. But anyway, it's always just like a, that's nice, and it, then it doesn't matter, it doesn't lead to anything. Right. They should have just had, like, a Royal Rumble trophy, because that's about all that it matters, you know? It basically was like Survivor Series. No stakes at all. Yeah, it's just like, I won the thing. Mm-hmm. This time around, though, the world title is vacant, and this is because of Jack Tunney, Hulk Hogan, and The Undertaker. Right. Hulk Hogan had been the world champion since WrestleMania Seven. He fought The Undertaker, who was allegedly undefeated, at Survivor Series 91. Ric Flair might have given a slight small assist to The he Undertaker. I didn't slid a chair I don't, yeah. and he didn't hit him, hit him with it. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and Hogan attacked him first. Flair came out to watch. It was an accident. The Undertaker was about to do his tombstone <laughs> pile driver, and the chair was just... Oops. It wasn't there when the Undertaker started falling, right. and then Ric Flair kind of slid it right. in. But he was like, "Whoops!" And then, Whoopsie daisy. And then he took. He was like, "Oh shit!" And he like took it out. Right. <laughs> he was just trying to correct the mistake. That's all it was. And and Hogan was pinned, and the crowd in Detroit liked it. Mark Rourke. One, two, two, get out! We got a new world champion. They cheered. Because something happened. Other than uh, Roddy Hogan, I think was sad <laughs> over in the corner. Anytime, anytime Hulk loses in the in the nineties, it like definitely Roddy's there. Yeah, good. So anyway, Hogan, uh, of course, protests because 
Well, I mean, he has a valid point. He, I, he was fucked Yeah, I guess title. so, I but... I agree. It's not like he hasn't done any shady shit before to win his matches. Yeah, but not not his world titles. He's won uh, those all cleanly, to be fair to Hogan. Mm-hmm. So he makes a big fuss, but because he's Hogan, Tunney moves heaven and earth and pay-per-view to make Tuesday in Texas. Yeah, all of a sudden we've invented a pay-per-view, <laughs> right. which is weird because pay-per-views are extremely rare at this point right. in time. So it's like, why don't we just make one up just so Hulk <laughs> could get a title shot? I'm not kidding. Like, that's the reasoning behind it. So we get to Tuesday in Texas and we have the big rematch and the crowd here is much more on Hogan's side. And now this time around, Hogan actually fights off the chicanery of Ric Flair, who runs into Jack Tunney, who is ringside to make sure that never fucking again will something happen. Right. Well, Hogan then unscrews the Undertaker's urn, throws the ashes in his eyes. The Undertaker's like, oh, I can't see. Right. Hogan pins him, but Flair shows Tunney this. Remember, he like picks him up. Yeah, he's like, the- look, he, he, he cheated just like right. I cheated. So why, why should he win? Hogan did cheat. Okay, eye for an eye and all that. Fine. But if Hogan can protest the way he lost the title, then Undertaker can too. Right. In my opinion. that's It's only fair. It is only fair. So Tony's like, you know what? Fuck you both. <laughs> it's vacant. I cannot stand idly by and take little or no action in the face of such grievous circumstances. Nobody wins. It'll be determined in the 1992 Royal Rumble. Ric Flair is going to be in this Royal Rumble. Right. He wants the title. Undertaker and Hulk Hogan have the preferential yes. treatment. Which, okay. Can I say one thing about this preferential? Sure, Quinn. Why is it not just 29 and 30? Why is it between 20? No. I, I feel like that's not preferential enough for the people who it's, deserve it. It's still two thirds ahead of I'm everyone else. I'm just saying else. they should be in that at the end. That's I'll all. see what I can do. Okay. Can you ask Tony? Yeah, I'll ask him for you. Yeah. Anyway, we got a lot of big stars in this one. We got Ric Flair, who has been the real world's champion. We got... Hogan, obviously, who's won the last two. The Undertaker, who's nearly unbeatable. Roddy Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. We got Randy Savage. Mm -hmm. Sid, who's a big face and a big impressive guy. We've got future star in Shawn Michaels, who's newly there, which a lot of people like to throw that in. Right. We got veterans like Greg Valentine, Rick Martel, Tito Santana. All record holders other than Tito. (laughs) That's true. Record holders! (laughs) Record holder! We got former champion Sergeant Slaughter. Got a lot of people in this, right? So that's the Royal Rumble. Let's roll it back to the beginning. In the undercard, uh, in the dark match, which we always like to mention, but it doesn't count, Chris Walker, who they were trying to push briefly around. I don't even know who that is. (laughs) Um, It's like, who? That sounds like every other job around Superstars. He was a big guy with an impressive look, but he was was okay. Uh, He defeated the Brooklyn Brawler by DQ Mm. because they had Tunney come out and reverse the decision to it, try to get the crowd to like him. It's amazing that, like, Tunney's reputation... At, this is only interesting because Tunney's reputation was so sullied by this point that they were doing, like, little things to try to, like, make up for it or something. Yeah, they were. They were trying to get the crowd to cheer him at yeah. the event by reversing the fucking dark yeah. match. Like, anyone cares <sighs> nobody, about Chris Walker. Nobody cares. And then, the new foundation had their only pay-per-view appearance as a team. That's Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart. Pants. In very, case anyone very, very pants. A lot of pants. They defeated the Orient Express, the good version. Yeah. Kato and Tanaka. Sayonara, baby! It's over! Good opener, Quinn, right? Great opener. Very yeah. fun. Owen looks awesome in this match. I always like this one. It's not as good as the Orient Express versus the Rockers from the year before. No. But it's still a very good opener. A lot of fun. Orient Express, the always the openers of Royal Rumbles. Hey, man. They yeah. do a great job here, these two. Mm-hmm. Good company. <laughs> anyway, Roddy Piper then filled in for Bret Hart, who was like, you know, I'm going to try to go to the WCW. I thought he was sick. 
I was sick of the WWF. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, Jim Hurd said, or I don't know, somebody heard that uh, I couldn't roll my my contract rolled over. So I said, "Fuck." Yeah. I like that they sh- they had the handheld there in Springfield yeah. where Mountie defeated Brett. Yeah, the one shitty camera. Mountie's like all dicky. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it's very Jacques Rougeau. <laughs> like this, this to me is my one of like the crowning achievements of Mountie. Oh, I love it. This crappy, crusty <laughs> character. Like somehow, like beat Brett. <laughs> Be Bret Hart Clean. and is the Intercontinental yeah. Champion, and Jimmy Hart is so happy for him. It is, it is just great. And the pre-match promo, Jacques Rougeau, like just delusional, is like, "I want to know what is the win-loss record of Piper." Yeah. What's the win and loss record of Piper? What gives him the right to step in today on two days' notice? Like, clearly he's undefeated always. It's Roddy Piper. Piper. Mountie thinks he's better than <laughs> yeah. fucking Roddy, Roddy Piper. Piper. What is he talking about? <laughs> and then Piper's, you know, got kind of a notable one where he's like, I think you've been dreaming. I think it's been all wet, too. Oop. Oh. <laughs> I, I think this pairing Oop. is great. Oop. Roddy Piper and Mountie, it's great. Because it's loud, silly Canadians. Just, yeah. It's, it's great. They're yeah. both insane. So anyway, this is... A very notable match. Now, if you're in a man match quality, it's it's five minutes. It doesn't matter. It's psychology. It's pop the crowd. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. But the moment where Piper clamps on that sleeper, Mountie fades. The Knickerbocker Arena loses it. And then when Fink announces Piper is the champ of his first title. And- So this first title thing, I think this was a nice sweetener. Oh, it's awesome. Because not it, it accomplishes two things, right? Go ahead. It gives Piper a title which was felt deserved by 1992. It was like, why is Piper not a champion? He never loses. Like, deserved, this is really? We're going with that lingo. I just felt like... You know, I think the fans really wanted, even in back in the day when that wasn't, there was no internet and all that, the fans really wanted this, right? They really wanted, I, I could tell I, by the crowd reaction, probably. they were very excited More about it. More than Mountie, that's for yeah. sure. So I think that was a real nice, cool no, it's, thing. No, it's a great moment. Additionally, I really think that this helps the Royal Rumble because the concept that, wow, Roddy Piper's on a roll, he's at the best he's ever been, and Roddy Piper's one of the top guys, maybe he'll win the world title now, yeah. right? Like, so, this works in every way. Absolutely. It makes the fans happy, it gives Piper a title which just, it's it looks cool and it's great. It does, no, and, I love and, it. And it also sweetens the pot for the Royal Rumble, it makes Piper seem like even bigger of a threat yep. in the Royal Rumble than he already was. Absolutely. No, I think it's a great moment, a great angle, great time. Now, the next match gets a <laughs> lot of heat, from a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, and it's the Beverly Brothers, who are actually a very good team. They yeah. they really are a good team. From Minnesota. They just <laughs> they wreck some shit over there. Yeah, even though they're um, really Baker Fields or whatever it is. Shaker Heights! I, it's horrible. Baker Fields. That's where all the rich people live. Baker Field, yeah. yeah. The first thing most tourists say while visiting Bakersfield is, why the hell did I come to Bakersfield? Why are my tires slashed? And I think somebody peed in my gas tank. The Beverly's with the genius defeat the Bushwhackers, mm-hmm. uh, perennial losers usually. Yeah. Sometimes they win. With Jameson. Right. Now, <laughs> OVP, this is so good. Friend. Yeah, friend of OVP Jameson. Now, what is it? What is people issue with this? <laughs> Jameson was this nerd character that's also homeless maybe yeah. and stupid but nice. He had been around since 89 and then started cropping back up in 91 and the Bushwhackers were like, oh, Jameson, you're our friend, right? Yeah. He's like, yeah. But the genius is like, you are a fucking piece of shit, and I'm going to make sure you get hit or whatever, and right? quit. 
And there's just <laughs> you will quit. The Beverly's just are assholes, right? Because right. they're from Bakersfield, Quinn. Yeah, Bakersfield, <laughs> rich people town <laughs> right. or whatever. So, so they're like, yeah, fuck all this shit. But the match is, okay, the match stinks from a wrestling point of view. It's, it's, does it matter? No. It, the most, my favorite part is Jameson and Genius on the outside being insane. And then Bobby, and Bobby the Brain on, on commentary being so fucking disgusted <laughs> with Jameson's <laughs> presence out there. No, hard is to leave the ring, a, a ring around the Atlantic Ocean. I'm going to leave a ring around your neck in a minute. And, and the one-liners that Bobby's firing off and Gorilla Getty increasingly aggravated with him. You know who dresses him? The state. <laughs> who dresses him? The state. Yeah. Will you stop? Like, <laughs> Gorilla is so upset with Bobby. Right. And we haven't even said already, like, the first three matches, the commentary is just fucking unreal. This and, and uh, WrestleMania yeah. 8 are Gorilla and Bobby's best moments as a commentary team. I would team. say that this show, all as a total package over here, this is the best commentary of these two I've ever heard. The yeah, whole prob- thing. Probably. Like, from start to finish. It's a masterpiece. I'd probably agree with that. Yeah. yeah, this and WrestleMania 8 are just some of their finest work. Yeah. So, yeah, the match is kind of slow. It's like 15 minutes. It's not good. Yeah. I don't know what you're expecting. But it's the Bobby the Brain Heenan, like, show on the mic. Yeah, it's this, fine. This match. this match is an excuse for him to dunk on Jameson the whole time. And he does, and it's <laughs> yeah. great. Now, the heels win, but then Jameson kicks a genius in the shin at the end and puts yeah. the hat on. I could take five more minutes of Bobby shitting on Jameson. This is a 15-minute match. <laughs> <laughs> I could take five more minutes of it. I wouldn't care. It's really not bad. Yeah. It's a nice come down after the big IC title win yeah. and a good wrestling match to start it. Mm-hmm. Then we get into the tag match, and this one is kind of tucked away in the card. Because at this point, it's like, all right, you've had your IC switch, right? We mm-hmm. just had our comedy crap. Here's you another tag match. kind of know nothing's going to happen here. Right. And it's the um, the tag team champions, the LOD, defending against the Natural Disasters. With Jimmy Hart. With Jimmy Hart. And, and Natural Disasters were on this quest to get these titles, and they're, they're big... F- Remember, ever since Survivor Series, yeah, they like... Big friends. That's my friend! Or whatever. You don't hurt him, IRS! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that whole thing, and they, all of a sudden, I'm like very endeared to the Natural Disasters right. by this point. Well, here's the thing about them. They had this old internet reputation, big fat guys. Yeah, they're actually pretty good. Yeah, they're not bad. I mean, John Tenta's great, but even Typhoon, he's okay. He works. He, he's the junior member, clearly, yeah, he, but he, he's supposed to be. Yeah, he works though. It's, it's again, it's shown at Survivor Series. <laughs> the, very junior. Yeah. That's that's my it's true. That's my friend or whatever. You don't hurt him. Yeah, Earthquake is so upset. I know. And I don't that, blame that, him. at that point, they're they're bonded. It's great. It's Quinn. like this is this is a great team. Now, this match is honestly not that bad, but it's very meaningless. I mean, we we reviewed this uh, earlier in the year, I think, in January of, uh, oh, of this year. It was only this year. It feels like a, I know. a decade ago it we does. reviewed this. And you can get it on patreon.com slash podcast. And anyway, I was surprised at how pretty good it is. It's short. It's like a little under 10 minutes. It's fine. It's really not bad. And the disasters win by count out. Jimmy Hart, for some reason, forgot that that doesn't mean they win the titles. I'll get my lawyers. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my lawyers, man. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? You count out. Aren't you a manager? Don't you know he this? He just, he's so excited, Joe. <laughs> and he's just like, he, he wanted this to be the night for his guys. Right, like, okay. he was just like, I'll, I'll do whatever it takes. Fair enough. Baby. 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 Now we get to the Royal Rumble. This is for all the marbles. Uh, Jack Tunney gets introduced, gets booed, of course. <laughs> That's well, for the fucking title or whatever. It, let the games begin. Or whatever so. he says. Yeah. <laughs> let the best man win. Yeah. And, Best um, president since Noriega. Definitely. As he like, walks out. <laughs> and uh, the first two entrants are the British Bulldog winner of that coveted Samovar trophy. And the, the, Sabble bar. Whatever. It's horrible. At the uh, Battle Royal. Why and, is that supposed to make him a threat? I hate it. Because he won a similar match one time. I don't know. They say it for years. They did, In like 95, they, they say They it. mention the Savile Bar. It's mentioned in 95. The Savile Bar will never go away. 
<laughs> and salad bar trophy, whatever. <laughs> Horrible. Here at Wendy's, you can get the uh, salad bar, the super bar, and all the pizza buffet. Whatever I, I it is. I bet you next year it's like not said, but they had the super bar trophy next uh, the second year. I think Typhoon won yeah. it. Anyway, Ted DiBiase is number two. Mm-hmm. Bulldog eliminates him. Waits for number three. Which is surprising at the time because Ted DiBiase is coming off a bigger feud. Yeah, but I think he was he was broken down, man. That's why yeah. they made him a tag wrestler. Exactly. It was just uh, this. It's not known yet. Yeah. So number three, we count down, and it's Ric Flair. <laughs> and then Brain Damn is just. Damn it. <laughs> and then girl, I can kiss it goodbye, Brain. One of the greatest lines. I love it. Where the thing is clanking yeah, away in the background. Clanking. It's like you're literally hearing and seeing brains like nightmares right. like come to life. It's awesome. It's, a, it's amazing. Now, I'm not going to run down every entrant in the whole roster, but here's what I want to say about this rumble. A lot of people have said that, um, that you know, the commentary carries this and blah, 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 blah. But if you actually just watch the in-ring stuff that's being told, it's centered around Ric Flair but he never overshadows anyone either. Right. So at first, Ric Flair seems like he's going to dominate a little bit, right? So it starts off, you know, he, he's he's doing some good shit, right? He's doing fine. But very quickly, it starts to become, oh my God, is Ric Flair going to survive, right. right? He keeps getting in precarious positions, but he bends, but he never breaks basically the whole time, right? Yep. But because of this bending the whole time, it allows every entrant that comes in to basically like kick his ass and look good yeah, and do spots with him. And then they'll settle into something else. But it's, it, I feel like everyone's taking turns kicking Ric Flair's ass the whole time. And that's one of the great threads about it is people from his past, like Texas Tornado, Kerry Von Erich, right. come in and go out. Or Greg Valentine comes yeah, in and goes out Anybody who's ever him. had a history with Ric Flair, because now he's like weakened right. and he's got to survive this whole thing. They're really all taking shots at him. Yep. And Shawn Michaels, too, you know, someone that he looked up to goes right, after yeah. Flair. And there's this great point in the midpoint of the match where Flair is able to avoid a boss man charge and boss man eliminates himself. Right. And Flair's alone in the ring as we count down to number 15. And it's Rowdy Piper. Rowdy! Oh, no! Of all the people, anyone but Piper, and he it's knows- Piper! It's so good. And, and Piper had been feuding with Flair that, that for months. fall. Yeah, you know? for months. So Piper kicks his ass, right? Then the Jake Roberts bit where Roberts saves Flair. And Piper and Roberts start going out. And we go on and on, but right? But also Jake's an asshole. I, I feel he like he like punches Ric Flair at some point. Right. So then we get to Undertaker's in there. Randy Savage is in there. Preferential territory. Yeah. Hogan comes in at 26. Sid Justice, number 29. Yeah. Big hitters in there, and we're towards the end, and Flair is still there. Flair's still there. Everyone's a star, basically, and like Rick Martell or something, I I, want to say. Former record holder! (laughs) He has the record! Of course he's going to win! Like, what? And as we go on, on the commentary, Bobby Heenan is increasingly paranoid, flipping out, nervous, excited, anxious, you name it. I'd say that the final 10, Bobby is like hyperventilating on the mic. Give me a drink, you stupid! Yeah. So we get to the, the final four here. Ric Flair still improbably in it, right? Yeah. Hulk Hogan, mm-hmm. Randy Savage, and Sid. Okay. All of those guys are pretty fresh. And Randy Savage isn't going to win because he's horrible at Royal Rumble. Yeah, he limited himself earlier, and they, yeah, they had they, to like, let him go. Preferential treatment, right? yeah. <laughs> in a different way. Yeah. So we get to the point where Savage is gone. 
And as Hulk Hogan is trying to eliminate Ric Flair and they're tussling on the ropes, Sid, mm-hmm. who wants to win, right, like anybody title, else in, like in everyone, this, yeah. like Hogan, yeah, comes up and dumps Hulk Hogan because it was easier than dumping Flair, right? That's all. Hulk Hogan was kind of standing up, Ric yes. Flair was sitting down, right? So it's just easier to flip him it's over. Like, okay, he's there. They, he doesn't notice me. Let me eliminate him, right? And look at Now, Hulk Hogan has done this to people in prior Royal Rumbles. This is one of the most annoying things ever. It is, actually. Like, it's so irritating. Because Hogan's done this exact behavior to other people. Yes, he has. But for whatever reason, when it happens to him, oh, God, no! Fine. You want to cry like a bitch? Go ahead. Yeah. The part that's inexcusable is he tries to yank Sid out of the ring. All of a sudden, he goes heel. He goes fucking rogue. And we're supposed to sympathize with right. him. And the fans don't. They're no, like, fuck you. They boo him. <laughs> like, they're just like, this is horse shit. Like, right. what, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> Sid's a face. They boo Sid's him. a fucking face. He is a face, yeah. right. Right. Mm-hmm. They boo him so much that they have to dub this on the weekend replays. They have when to <laughs> fix it or whatever. The, the new commentary over girl is like, oh, Sid's a piece of shit. Yeah. Even though he was- See, he was sneaking. Right. Like, they, 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 that's how they frame it. He snuck up on <laughs> Every him. Every man for himself, but turn around and face the guy. Like, yeah. What are you talking about? What, only foes. It's said. I know. And he said, every man for himself, but yes, be a man and face the guy. At least turn around and let him look in your face when you dump somebody out. So anyway, Hogan then helps the heel Ric Flair eliminate Sid. <laughs> and he's supposed to be a big fan. Right. And Ric Flair wins. Yes! 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 And your world champion is Ric Flair. Bobby. The probability is super low on Ric Flair winning. And Bobby is ecstatic. You're right. He goes to the back. They do an actual live, you know, backstage with Mean Gene. To, like, send us off the pay-per-view. Right. And Gorilla has not a negative word to say about Flair, which he's I like, love. Have to hand it to you, Brain. Yep. He he's the real deal, basically. Yep. Like he's no he's no joke. I saw he basically Gorilla admits that he's been wrong like for months. Yeah. Like <laughs> right. that it's like you I was skeptical when he came in yep. and this this fake belt and all this, this real shit. world champion horse shit. It, but I'll hand it to you, Brain. He really is the heat, and now he is the real world yep. champion. Like, there's no question. And Flair cuts a great post match with a tear in my eye, you mm-hmm. know. And the put that cigarette out. And we go off the air with our new world champion, Ric Flair. I've heard people say that this is a one-match show, but I disagree with that. We just walk through the whole thing and why it's good. Yeah. I mean, the Piper Mountie thing is very notable. If you want wrestling quality, you've got the opener. If you want comedy, not everyone does because wrestling is very serious all the time and always. It's a serious sport. Like, Gorgeous George was very serious. Yeah. You got the Beverly's with Bobby on commentary. And if you're the kind of sociopath that watches this with no commentary, then I can't help you. That's crazy. Because I've heard that too. Like, if you watch it with no commentary, the night, the rumble isn't that good. This is a master class in it's, commentary, it, and I, I don't. I think you're hurting it if you don't want to watch it with commentary. Yeah, and you know what? Watching it live is different than watching it on pay-per-view, and I understand that. But they both have two separate elements that are going to change your perception of what you're watching. Mm-hmm. When you're watching on pay-per-view, the commentary is there to tell a narrative, tell a story, and can either add or subtract. But when you're watching it live, how many people think things are better because they're watching it live than they really are also? So really, if you want the full experience with nothing added, watch it alone in a dark room with no commentary and no sound. And then you can really rate it clinically. I don't think anybody really does that, Joe. I know. If they do, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. 
But anyway, honestly, this is not out of five matches on the card. Yeah. Not bad. There's a really good opener. There's a really good moment in the IC. There's a funny thing. The tag matches, whatever. So no, it's not a one-match show. I think it's an show. overall wonderful card. I think it's a great show, and I think uh, it deserves to be in the top 10 conversation here. Do you want to find out who drew number th- let's, four? Let's find out. Let's do it, fans. Let's all find out who drew number four. Oh man, WrestleMania three! Another big speaking biggie. of good cards. Good lord! Now, okay. This card has like seven hundred matches on it or something. It does. Yeah. Now WrestleMania three. Our review of this is free, by the way. I'm on our normal podcast. Yeah, you can go feed listen you to it. Just scroll down. Yeah. But I don't want to get too crazy with the backstory here because it's every almost everyone knows WrestleMania three. Yeah. I'll talk it to you, right. and then the hit goes. Yeah, and then they're yeah. fighting. They, that that's Hulk Hogan <laughs> versus Andre the Giant. Hogan, Andre, we know the story there. Piper's Pit, a few weeks worth of build. That's it. The trophies, yeah. the look at me, all yeah. that. You're blading. Yep. Hick. Everyone knows. That's it. It's very hyped. Very big deal. Pontiac, Michigan in the Silver Dome. It's only the like greatest moment in company history. It really like, was something they hung their hat on and still do. Yeah, to this day. Yep. So Hogan, Andre. Andre's allegedly undefeated. For storyline's sake, okay, Andre's undefeated for 15 years. Hogan's been the champion for three years. He's defeated right. everybody that he's come across, right? Yep. We're, of course, pretending that he's never fought Andre in 1980. That doesn't count. None of that matters. And this is different now. Okay, the new canon. This is Pontiac canon. This is Pontiac canon. This is Vince Jr. canon. Yep. Right? So Hogan, Andre, the main event, arguably, maybe not even arguably, one of the greatest main events in company history. Yep. On paper, in practice, money, everything. Intrigue, one of the all-timers. We know that one. It's what brought the fans to Pontiac, Michigan. Right. WWF was on a high in 1987. They were soaring. They were good in 86. They were great, right? Yeah. They were becoming a pop culture phenomenon in a lot of ways. People that had never watched wrestling or maybe hadn't watched it in years or only knew of it from their parents or their grandparents, now they were watching. I think a lot of people were watching, and then this match really put it over the top. Now everyone was watching. Yeah. You I know? mean, a main event in February of 88 is evidence of that. Yeah. That this was a big drawing thing, the, Hogan the, Andre. This was in the zeitgeist as they say zeitgeist it was in the it was in the public consciousness of that andre the giant versus hulk hogan has to be the greatest wrestling match to ever be scheduled or whatever right it says a lot about the way they promoted it honestly seriously because it really if you if you match about it it's not anything the public believed this and the non-wrestling watching public they knew that this was like ali frazier for wrestling or something you you know what i mean like the century yeah this is like this is the match right even though the hardcore wrestling fan, they know that Andre's broken down. You watch the thing. There's not a lot going on. But guess what? That isn't the only thing that matters mm-hmm. in wrestling is how many moves they do. Yeah. It does matter. Sure. Fine. All these people that have a problem with this match, they don't really, I don't think they understand what wrestling needs to be to succeed again. <laughs> on a high level. On a high level. Sure. This is, this is, this is the playbook right here. You got to have two gigantic names fighting each other. On right. A- thing that costs money for people to buy. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's what MMA still does. Yeah, yeah. You know what the one move that mattered that happened in this match was? The body slam. Yep. The non-wrestling fan can understand that, too. Yeah. Looks like he's picking him up. Right. You know? So that's the main event. Not a lot needs to be said about that. Let's run through the undercard here again. Pontiac, Big Michigan. undercard. March 29th, obviously, 1987. You figure out the attendance for yourself. I don't want to talk about it, okay? 93,173, okay, Joe, and that's yeah, what it is. I don't think that's really what it is, but okay. I don't think it's 78 either. 
Mm. I think I've always said that. I think it's just 85,000. Who cares? I don't think anyone knows the actual number. Yeah. You know what I mean? But anyway, there was no dark match. The opener was the Can-Am Connection, or as Gorilla says, the K&M Connection. Right. Boy, are they happy, the K&M Connection. The K&M Connection in action against the hot team of Bob Orton in Magnificent Morocco. I yep. just like that Morocco's gets on this paper. Gets game. another WrestleMania opener, by yeah. the way, because he was opener at two also. Mm-hmm. Quick, fun prototypical opener for a Wrestlemania Quinn. Nothing wrong with it. This follows the Quinn rules right here. Five minutes and 37 seconds according to wikipedia.web. Yep. Um, And that is is exactly how long that should be. Yep. It was peppy. The cannons were over his faces. Mm -hmm. They won. Great stuff. Then we get Herc versus Jerk. Kind of in our first like attraction match, right? Two like big dudes and the the full Nelson and you know all that shit. Yeah, the battle of the full Nelson and say what you want about Billy Jerk, um, but he had a great look. Yep, so did Hercules. So did Hercules. So this is is like who's going to win? They're kind of the same size and they're both strong. They battle to a double count out. It's short. It's not that bad. It's fine. Again, all matches should be short on this. This is for mainstream. They don't want to sit there. Through, through some technical match. And especially in the beginning, you want to get a lot of faces, yeah. a lot of different things, and mix it up. So we do that in match number three, which is the kind of infamous mixed tag here. Hillbilly Jim. I love this, and I don't care. Well, it's quick, right? Yeah. Haiti Kid, Little Beave uh, defeated King Kong Bundy, Little Tokyo, and Little Brook by DQ. Two notable things here, Quinn. Mm-hmm. King Kong Bundy uh, <laughs> body slamming. Or, he pancaked uh, him, yeah. or whatever he says. And one of the guests here, uh, which, by the way, the... The commentary team, Gorilla and Jess, and they're joined at various points by Mary Hart. And in this match, Bob Euchre. The Uke. So the Uke is hilarious during this. Something about laundry and like... It's the mid- boiler! It's midgets and Bob Euchre. What What do you think is going to happen? It's probably going to be really entertaining. Right. Tell me something, Uke. You think you could take one of these little midgets? I don't think so. I, I don't want my kneecaps rearranged. You know, I'm doing fine the way I am right now. This match, by the way, three and a half minutes. Perfect. And then Jack Lanza notably like, get the fuck out of yeah, the ring so at the end. Move it along. Yeah. Move along. The next match, Quinn, Harley Raysa took mm-hmm. on the Junkyard Dog in a Loser Must Bow match. Now, uh, this is real. Now, again, like it. Like the stipulation. Love it. I like the two wrestlers yeah, in it. Yeah, I like everyone involved in this. Uh, Mula with the confused, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> in the pre-match. It is funny. Yeah. That's another thing to mention about this. They uh, have a big step up since WrestleMania 2 with the production right. here. It's so much better. Everything's quick, very tightly knit. Dick Ebersole-esque. Definitely. Brightly lit. Mm-hmm. Very, very good. Now, Harley Race wins... Junkyard Dog, though, is like, I'm not bowing. Yeah, fuck that shit. Yeah, and, and, and then he does like a curtsy or yeah. whatever. Then he gets the crown. and That's it, very typical dog. He never fucking like... I mean, he counts never, his own pins. Yeah, he counts his own pins. He does. He, he plays by his own rules, and I, that's what I love about him. He barks to the beat of yeah. his own drummer, if yeah. you will. Shut up. We then have the Dream Team, still a team somehow. I don't understand. They're so irrelevant by <laughs> this know. point. Uh, Valentine and Brutus Beefcake with Dino Bravo accompanying them. <sighs> and in the pre-match promo, though, yeah, this match is fun just because it, it, it progresses the storyline and it finally breaks up the dream team. Yeah, and it's quick too. Yep. Uh, and they take on the Rougeos who are not fabulous yet. No. So don't but get they're your better hopes than up. when they started. The like bathrobes are gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. Uh, it's very quick. Now, the dream team wins, but nevertheless, Valentine and Bravo get all pissy with Beefcake and turn on him anyway. For no reason. Yeah, they're just like, way, fuck you. I wish this had more explanation than just we don't like him anymore. Didn't Beefcake accidentally cut um, someone's hair? Yeah, but this match is when they break up, not when something happens. I know. That's why it's weird. It's like they get the win, and he's like, fuck you, Beefcake. Why? <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, it's weird, They didn't right? even do anything this time. They wanted a big event. They, this it, should be a good win for them. True, true. You know? 
Now, the next match is a big attraction here that maybe sometimes gets overlooked when it comes to talking about WrestleMania yes, 3. Yes, there's twofold here, right? right? So this is a hair versus hair match between Roddy Piper and Adrian Adonis, right? And this feud had been going on since the summer of 86. On top of it, Roddy Piper has said, this will be my final match because I'm going to go m- make movies and shit. And I think he meant it at the time. At the time, yeah, it did seem like the end because Piper was such a big... He was known to the mainstream public at this point. Well, because of his stuff with Hogan in 85, sure. Right, so... It made perfect sense. Your Roddy Piper doesn't need to be here anymore. He's bigger than the company. Yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. He's going to give Hollywood a try. Yeah. Right? So this has been a hot feud, very violent feud. Uh, Piper obviously selling the shit out of it. Adrian Adonis, don't sleep on him, gimmick notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. Adrian was awesome. Mm-hmm. He really was, man. He was a great bumper. Yeah. He was a great talker. So they have a quick but fun match here. Hair versus hair. Piper wins, of course, with the sleeper. Good. And then Brutus Beefcake comes out to help Piper cut Adrian's hair. This, this is, again, perfect. So Brutus just kicked out of his tag team, right? What the fuck's going to happen to Brutus Beefcake? Right. I don't know. So that whole cutting the hair thing from before, yep. before this show, yep. he comes out and Piper wants him to cut Adrian Adonis's hair. It's perfect. And now he's a barber. Yep. What I like about this is it sends off Piper, right? Piper's also doing a favor to Brutus the barber because now he can be something different yep so piper's kind of giving back He's you know giving in, him his, the nod. In, in, in his own way yep. right and adrian adonis who's been <laughs> just a butthole to roddy <laughs> yeah. piper this whole time he gets his comeuppance everything works jimmy hart's ridiculous during of course. it just panicking yep cutting adrian adonis's hair is perfect with the kind of character he is absolutely it is the it is the ultimate humiliation absolutely for, for his character no it's great it's yeah. a great stipulation here yeah we move on to a six-man that's kind of underwhelming, but it's not bad. It's uh, the Hart Foundation, Brett and Jim, obviously, mm-hmm. teaming up with Danny Davis, which is intriguing. Because, because the feud is, this whole thing's been brewing on Superstars for months. For months, Danny Davis had been like a little shady as a ref, and then finally, he outright helps the Hart Foundation win the, the tag the mo- titles. The most overt <laughs> yeah. like, thing he does. From the Bulldogs in January. Yeah. He leaves with them, remember? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. He helps him win. He's like celebrating with yeah. them. It's like fucked up. So he's now a wrestler, dangerous Danny Davis. Mm-hmm. And speaking of hearts, Mary sits in on commentary here. Perfect idea for this, by the way. And she's like, yeah, I'm not related to them, by the way. I think Mary Hart does a great job on commentary, which is surprise. You didn't expect it. It's like the Susan St. James surprise. Yeah, she's like, good. Yeah, Mary Hart's even better, I think. Oh, yeah, than yeah. Susan, definitely. And they take on the British Bulldogs and Tito, because again, Danny Davis. They weaved this in, and and I got to give them credit. Even though mm-hmm. it's a retcon, when Tito Santana lost the IC title yeah. to Randy Savage. Danny Davis was wearing khakis. In early 86, yes, Danny Davis was wearing khakis. They weaved that in, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, Randy Savage used a foreign object, and Danny Davis didn't do anything about it. I like that they used the coincidence no. of Davis being the ref there. They needed, because they needed to build evidence, right? It's like, yeah. well, let's look at every call he's ever made. Yeah, right? so it just worked, right? Yeah. And Tito, by the way, in 87, still very much over. Right. Tito was a, a hot player in 87. So the Hart Foundation, they do win. Uh, I believe when Danny Davis pins, I want to say Bulldog or the something embarrassing. like that. <laughs> that was what it was designed to kind of yeah. extend the feud, right? It's like, yes. oh, ha, ha, Danny Davis. <laughs> yeah. like the Hart Foundation basically does all the work. Yes. And then they like throw Danny Davis on Davey. It's great. And get the pin. It's it's stupid. It's fun. And yeah. I have no problem with it. It's a nice way to also like tuck the tag titles into something else because you don't want to kind of distract from the two main title matches on this. Correct. I've always yeah. liked how that's done. Because yeah, you still true. get to see the tag champs, 
but they're involved in the main feud that they're involved in. Right. And so if everything it, works. And if anyone's like, hey, why didn't they do a tag title match? Well, if they weren't going to switch the titles, then what's the difference? It's a, it's a waste of time. Right. Plus, also, you get Tito on this. Right. Like, right? They're, he could have very quickly, like, been not put on this paper right. because of what he was involved in. And they were still running, I'm assuming. I'd have to check the, the hearts and bulldogs on the house show loop so anyone yeah. could see that anywhere. Hey, you're actually correct. A fucking dipshit, but correct. I actually think this is such an economical, perfect yeah. match to put on this. Absolutely. Uh, the next one's quick, but it gets the two guys on the card. Butch Reed, who's rather new, mm-hmm. uh, defeats Coco Beware. This is one of those old-style WrestleMania matches, Joe, to me, where it's like, we got this new guy, Butch Reed, let's just feature him on something. Yeah, right? let's have him you get know? a win. Yeah, let's have him get an easy win quick, yep. you know? It's, it's Wrestle- just like WrestleMania 6 with the, whole, say, with the whole Tito, Tito Barbarian. Barbarian. It's like, yeah. we're, we're pushing Barbarian now. We Let's let everyone know, yeah. like, right? They used to do this on every WrestleMania, where they would just, there'd be a, a short little... This is a guy we're going to push match. Yep. Like, yeah, this is a this is a push match. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the other big attraction here, the Intercontinental Championship match, Randy Macho Man Savage been the champion over a year. Mm-hmm. He had injured Ricky Steamboat. Epic feud here. This yep. has been brewing for months. We know the feud. We know the story, right? The Ricky Steamboat, all yeah. that. Can't talk anymore. Yeah. Uh, he comes back. He's got George Steele with him. Because George Steele is a creepy stalker about Elizabeth. Right. He's annoying. So here's the thing, though, is Ricky Steamboat. This is, this is again, and, and there's a lot of this going on in this pay-per-view like we saw with the, you know, the Dream Team and Piper. There's a lot of long-term storylines that are coming to a head. Yes. And the idea here is to put George Steele in this because this is Randy Savage's title reign. It's George Steele fucking bothering him. The entire time. The entire time and his issues with Ricky Steamboat. Yep. So we're combining the two into one here. Right. And Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat, we don't need to say too much because I think everyone knows this, but... It's one of the greatest matches of all time, in my opinion, personally. It it really is. It's a clinic in terms of keeping the crowd invested the entire time. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of false finishes. I forget how many, but it's like 19 or 20-something. I forget. It's influential. It's all the things we've said about it in the past. It's just one of the greater greater matches. I think this match, (laughs) the funniest part about this match to me... Is that the thing we hate of match? Yeah. This is where this got injected into the mainstream. This match. In WWF, yes. In, into the WWF, this concept of there's got to be a the really- show stealing The show stealing uh, five-star match has to be on a WrestleMania card, and it has to be on a pay-per-view card in general. Right, right. Like this is, this is the match that set that. Hey, it's one of the most memorable of all time. Yeah. It involves two great, all-time great workers. The right guy wins, mm-hmm. Ricky Steamboat. But the champion still in control. No, a small package by the dragon. History is made. It's a great moment. Right. And it set the stage for uh, Randy Savage's eventual uh, face turn. Rise to prominence. Yep. Yeah. Not much more we need to say today mm-hmm. about it, but what an all-time match there. The next one gets overlooked because it followed Savage Steam. I love this match. Honky Tonk Man. I fucking love this match. Right? Jake Roberts is a very, very fun little match, man. man. Alice Cooper in that nightmare <laughs> music. Honky comes out to the scary, yeah. like, Honky Tonk Man music, not the normal one. Yep. They want to hear that's all right, Honky Tonk Mama. Honky Tonk Man, he's a sleeper here going on. He's this good is, here. This is him creeping into, like, the main... Top tier hey, people. And absolutely. I, I really like him here. He, he wins, doesn't he? He wins, and he's just such an asshole. And he always 
he always finds a way to slip into a victory, and yep. he's just a slimy ass character, even slimer than Jake the Snake and Alice Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just really great. Alice, of course, is all that's right, Jake Milwaukee the whole yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, so Honky does win, but uh, they put the snake on Jimmy Hart at the end and all that. You know the deal. Jimmy's great. Jimmy's great. great. Yeah. Fun match again. Misfortune of following Savage Steamboat, but it really is good. Yeah. This is a good match. Then the final one is kind of intended as a cooldown yeah. to get you ready for Hogan Andre. It's the Sheik and Volkoff like proudly still together as a I, team. I, it's amazing. I don't know how they still work here. <laughs> it's, I, I love it. WrestleMania one people. Yep. Uh, and Jim Duggan pokes his nose in, so the Sheik and Volkoff defeat the Killer Bees. It's a nice by little. DQ. Can I say I love the integration of Jim Duggan into this? I think it's it's perfect as like, look, this guy's going to be a big deal too. It's the same fucking thing they did with butch reed and all that yeah like no 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 you got to pay attention here right it's like this is got this is gonna be a guy that you're gonna remember and this obviously sets the stage for the crunk yeah the crunk happens so (laughs) yeah and then hogan andre and before we get to that i just want to mention a few other things quinn about the event before i forget we talked about gorilla and jess they really come into their own as a team on this show yes they do it's a great moment they're very 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 good on this show together Mm -hmm. the celebrity usage from Aretha Franklin in the beginning mm-hmm. to Bob Euchre and Mary Hart. There's also just the arena, Joe, and the how arena. it has slowly gone from day to night at this point, which yep. I've always loved about this show. Yep. And obviously the carts, we didn't mention them, but the carts that they use for all mm-hmm. the entrances are awesome. Everything about this show is really memorable. And we get to the main event and Bob Euchre does the introductions. And we've always talked about how Andre waving to everyone on the cart like on his way down. he's a face. That's it, amazing. And then, to Andre, he's never turned heel. No, he just wanted the title shot. Yeah. Why are they booing me? What for did wanting- I do, Wong? Yeah. <laughs> you know? A lot of title shot. I just want that. And then Hogan walks out to an insane reaction. It's great. He is the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion, Hulk Hogan! The roof of the Superdome about to explode here. It's like goosebumps. Like, this is like the height of Hulky Mania. Yep. Like, it is amazing. Girl and Jess call the match. Like we said, it's not much in terms of in ring action. There's some weird, like, outside the ring it's, stuff going on. Yeah. I don't know why. On a technical level, it's very poor. You yeah. know what I mean? But that's not what this match is for. The fans it, just want to know who that. the fuck's going to win. Right. Like, that's what they want to know. They want to see who's going to win. Mm-hmm. And it's Hulk Hogan. Gets the body slam in, in an incredible WrestleMania moment. It's the visual of the body slam. It's, he gets the body slam. There's all these flash bulbs that go off. Yep. It's it's a perfect moment. It's perfect. Look at this. He's having I don't believe it. Gorilla and Jess on the call even are perfect yeah. here. Hogan wins. And WrestleMania three is a huge success. Huge. Iconic. Yeah. Memorable. One of the all-time pay-per-views. It's one of the biggest moments of the 80s. And WWF, I'm not, yeah. I'm talking like in popular culture of the know. 80s. I, mean, I don't know. That that body slam is something, it's, it's part of the whole thing. I think a lot of people that, you know, casually watched wrestling, maybe only in the 80s, will yeah. certainly still remember that to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you could ask around and find people that still remember this. Yeah. So that's WrestleMania 3. We got a rank now, Quinn. Like we mentioned, WrestleMania 6 is at number 1. SummerSlam 91 is at number 2. So Royal Rumble... It's not as good as Royal Rumble or WrestleMania 3. No way. Well, Royal Rumble 92, I'm saying. Is that better than SummerSlam 91? 
Yeah. Can you tell me why? I'm not disagreeing, but I uh, need to the, hear why. The main event alone, the stipulation. You know, that, yeah. The, like the importance. I cannot put SummerSlam 1991 ahead of freaking Rumble Rumble. 92. 92. Rumble no, it's the commentary's not as good. It, in yeah. every aspect, it's not as good. It's a fun pay per view, SummerSlam 91, but it's just not. It's not Royal Rumble 92. You know what my problem with SummerSlam 91 really is? Mm-hmm. Everything other than the main event is is pretty good. But the main event is still an important component in a pay-per-view. Yeah. And I don't see how when you have a shitty main event and a wedding that that could be an yeah, all-time... Yeah, but the wedding's gr- got Doug or whatever. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> my best man. Yeah. But I'm just saying, you said it in week number one, you have to go from start to finish what is the, yeah. the more enjoyable. You have to say completely what is the better pay-per-view. So with that said, I'd say Rumble 92 is better than SummerSlam 91. It has to be. And again, I don't think Rumble 92 is a one-match show. I no. think the other stuff on it is good, too. It's a complete card, really. And what's interesting about it is the complete card with a time-limited beginning because of an hour-long Royal Rumble, right. obviously. Which is, that's the uniqueness of the Royal Rumble every year. Is That like that doesn't count against it, They no. have to squeeze a bunch of shit in before, and it's how good they do that. Right. Right? That That's interesting i agree with you i think that rumble 92 is worth it alone just for the royal rumble match and if that's all it had i could see maybe putting SummerSlam 91 above it but royal rumble 92 has piper mountie has a fun opener has a comedy match and again who cares about the tag title match but it actually isn't bad yeah all-time commentary performance by gorilla and bobby mm-hmm. yeah okay rumble what 92. i think is the tough decision is wrestlemania 6 and royal rumble 92 I like both of these shows. Yeah. At a tech, very, very getting into the weeds technical perspective, I kind of weirdly think Rumble 92 is like slightly better at a technical level. It is. Um, it is. The no, way it, it's booked or whatever. I think from start to finish, it is a more, um, I don't want to say complete show. Is it better start to finish, Rumble 92, than WrestleMania 6 overall? Yeah. Because it doesn't, it doesn't, sag at all like Wrestlemania 6 with like Jake and Ted DiBiase and shit like that. People would call the, the Bushwhackers match sagging. I wouldn't. That's, that's so fast. Yeah, but what about people that want only all serious of, all, wrestling all the on the wrestling? shit on both of these things are short. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. So here's the thing, Quinn. I think I like 6 better from a, like a, I do too. a comfort food level. Yeah, I, I, I do too, but it's like from a science level, I don't know. That's my issue. That's what I'm weighing, right? You know what Six doesn't have? A really, really, really good match in terms of wrestling. I mean, Hogan Warrior, let's not get carried away. It's good, but it's not either of those guys' best matches even. Mm-hmm. The Rumble 92 is a special thing, the Rumble itself. Yeah, but so is Hogan Warrior. What I mean to say about it, though, I can't believe how good of a match something like a Royal, they made something like a Royal Rumble. I've never seen that. I've never seen them do it since. It feels like a match. It's the only Royal Rumble where I would feel comfortable rating it, and I would rate it five stars. I did rate it five. Yeah, it's like it's like it feels like a real thing. It's not just like a goofball. Like people just come out, look at the entrances, Casio clock, and all this shit. Right? It's just like <laughs> it, it's like actually like you hang on every entrance, and it means something to the dynamic of the match. It's it, like different in that way. It, it, th- that's true. Yeah. It's the best booked one. 90s is really, really good though, but this one had an extra stipulation. Yeah. 90s is awesome also, but okay. Oh man, this is tough because I love WrestleMania 6 so I much. I love it too. I, it really, it's hard for me, the Rumble. Is there anything that can put Rumble above 6? Because 6 is the incumbent. I mean, 
Rumble's got a memorable title switch, and it's got the Royal Rumble match itself. It's, it's got, got it's got a moment in Roddy Piper. Like that is yeah. a moment, and obviously the Rumble itself is a moment. Six on paper has Hogan Warrior, and, and in practice that's good too. In practice, yeah, it's just that the technically the card is weirdly worse, and I don't know how. Like, it, well, because there's so many more matches. There's right? so many more matches. The mixed tag I don't is know. fun. Is it a bad card? I mean, it's got the. I really like that Tito versus Barbarian thing. I do too, but again. <sighs> Oh, man, this is tough. That's a really hard one. Start to finish. I feel like we're going to get roasted no matter what we do with this one. I don't mind that. I just want explanation yeah. of why so I can understand what other people think and not just yeah. telling us that we're stupid, which no one does that anyway. This, but. Is, this is damned if we do, damned if we don't territory, though. I don't think WrestleMania, the brand, by default, makes it better, right? Like no, a, I don't. A, a I think Royal that Rumble needs, can be better. I think you need to remove yourself from that, right? right? Because people would obviously say, well, every WrestleMania should just, all the good WrestleMania should just be the top ones. And then we're just rating WrestleManias at that point. But right. that's not true. That's not always true. That's why it's like, I think Rumble, weirdly, is the sleeper here that it's like slightly better than WrestleMania six. Again, it's going to depend on people's preferences and eras, too, because yeah. there's people that don't like 92. It's all the... The other thing about Royal Rumble 1992, it's the peak, like, all this, like, weird controversy and shit. Like, it's an interesting pay-per-view. It's set among chaos in the backstory, right? Which right. is... WrestleMania 6 is very business as usual. Well, it's the end of the golden era, too, right. is the other thing. But still, it's, it's still formulaic in comparison. This is, yes. like... Really trying some weird shit here with from the, Rumble 92, and it works. From that late 91 era. And again, if people don't like Ric Flair, they don't give a fuck about his performance. And I'm not even a big Ric Flair fan, but I mean, it's... Even an, you have said, though, this is your, performance. your favorite... This is one of your favorite yeah. Ric Flair performances. Yeah. And I think the Rumble is so perfectly booked, I can watch it... So many times I've watched it, I never get bored of it. Yeah, I love the card, too. I love the card, I love I the commentary. Like the the build-up has this, like, also... The whole undercard. Yeah. What's nice about it is it feels like the rumble is looming over it too, which That's is a like. smart idea. Yep. I don't know. Like, oh man, you know what? Here's what I can say, Quinn. Hogan Warrior, I really like, mm -hmm. but I like Warrior versus Savage more than that. I like Warrior Rude more than that. No. Yep. I like Hogan Savage more than you know what I'm saying. So like, I like Hogan Warrior, but I've never been one of those people that thinks it's their greatest match. No. You know, they've had better matches with other people. It's a great moment, but it also is the end of the golden era. Yeah. I want to go Rumble 92. I do I too. Think, I, think, I, think, I think it's like, it edges it out. I think on paper, they're both great main events. Mm -hmm. Hogan versus Warrior, Champion versus Champion, but what about vacant world title yeah. in the Royal Rumble? Okay. That is a battle of two perfect stipulations. Title versus <laughs> yeah. title versus world title on the line in the Royal Rumble. Right. In the Royal I mean, that's both of those are really cool. Right. Like, Again, if you don't like Ric Flair, you're not going to agree with this. If you don't like 92, you're not going to agree with this. But to be fair, Royal Rumble 92 is more 1991 than it is, it is. 1992. I know. Yeah. It's close, Quinn, but we're going to agree Rumble mm -hmm. 92 takes the cake right sure. now. Yeah. Now, WrestleMania 3, double-edged sword here, because on one hand... That's, I don't love that the idea, Joe, that our fans are going to feel like, that's automatic number one, and right, the, the whole say, list is over, blah, right. blah, blah. But on the other hand, it still might be the most complete pay-per-view here, or very close to it. Maybe. Okay. Well, put it up against, is it better than SummerSlam? Yes. <laughs> Not even, I don't even have to think about that. It's better than six, though, isn't it? I think it is, yeah. They're, they're uh, like, they're very they're, similar. They're, see, they're, 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 the, they're two sides of the same coin, I guess you would call it. Okay. 
Like they're very they're they're like this is what happens if you do WrestleMania three in nineteen ninety is basically yeah. WrestleMania six. It's well, like as a you know what I mean. And WrestleMania three is what happened when you do WrestleMania three in in nineteen eighty seven. Like, but you know what three has over six? The five star match. It does. It does. It has the five star match. It's also better, I think, overall. As much as I love six, yeah, it is. It's more memorable. It, the undercard's surprisingly, when you analyze it, is surprisingly very, very good. It's tight. Yeah. It's well... I mean, so is six, though. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. What six has, though, Quinn, that three doesn't, is the um, the tag title switch. But what three has is the Piper win. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities in terms of big moments. But I think on paper, Hogan-Andre... Yeah. It, is a better main event than Hogan Warrior. WrestleMania 6. For its time, it's close. Yeah. And I think it's got the IC. Mm-hmm. Commentary is great at both. It's Gorilla and Jess at both. Mm-hmm. This, it is tough. I will say, for 6, yes. Royal Rumble 92, I think, is going to put up a good fight against WrestleMania 3. <sighs> I really do. No, I don't disagree, Quinn, but we... And I know that's that's controversial because it has the Jameson thing, and, like, it's like, how could you, like, you know? Yeah, but, but 3 has, you know, the little beaver match. Yeah, it's like they, they do have their pieces. And they serve the same function. Yeah. Stupid comedy for a few right. minutes. Both are very tightly booked. R- rumble out of necessity because of the, the rumble having rumble. to be yeah. one hour. Right. These have both have memorable moments. Royal Rumble has two memorable moments, which is weird. Yeah, but in, Wrestle- in, a, in a show that's short, and so does WrestleMania three. So WrestleMania three has several, several. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay, I think you just set you you just sealed the deal right there for three. It's got the Piper win, yeah. the the haircut. It's mm-hmm. got the Hogan. I'm yeah, the Hogan Andre, obviously, including within the match itself, the body slam. It's got right. memorable sound bites. It's got. I, but it ha- but Rumble ninety two has better commentary. Weirdly, I don't know if I agree with that. I think hmm. funny funnier commentary, but that doesn't mean better. different type of commentary. Different. It's different. You yeah. can't really compare them. You got Bobby and Gorilla's best moments, and you got Jesse and Gorilla's They're on their best game. Moment. Yeah, and, I mean it's, it's it's literally like the two top commentary performances yeah. ever fighting each other. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> I love Rumble ninety two. Yeah, I think it is actually. I hate using this word. I think it's underrated. Yes. Because a lot of people now are like, oh, one match show. If there's no commentary, it stinks. Fucking rewatch it. Did you it. watch that Royal Rumble? It's 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 quite simply the Royal Rumble that all Royal Rumbles are yeah. measured against. It's, it's a it's, story. It's a story. It's a non-stop Every story. single entrance matters. Yeah. Which is really, really hard to pull off. Even if the roster in 90 is maybe a smidge better, it's not by much. It's an all-time match, yeah. man. But that said... Three has Savage Steamboat and Hogan Andre on the same mm-hmm. card and the Piper thing and everything else that doesn't matter is very short. Yeah, it's good. WrestleMania 3 then. It just has to, Quinn. Yeah. Without WrestleMania I just, 3. I just hope that this list can be more interesting than the usual WrestleMania 3 takes it all. Hey, man, Rumble 92 is is, is ahead of WrestleMania 6. That's that in itself interesting. is interesting. I would, you know what? And I hope you fans voted this in. I really hope X7 is on this list because I... I think that's an interesting uh, against the WrestleMania three versus X seven. I can't wait to battle you on that one. Yeah, if that's if, the if case, that's Quinn. true. Let's hope. But folks, in the meantime, please let us know what you think. Uh, you can let us know that, of course, by reaching us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group uh, to run them down for you. Number one, WrestleMania three. Number two, Royal Rumble ninety two. 
number three, WrestleMania 6, and number four, SummerSlam 91. Again, folks, let us know why if you disagree. We'd love to hear from you. But Quim, when we come back, guess what? Challenge! Challenge! It's WWF Wrestling Challenge. We're reviewing it, and that'll be coming up right after this. Ooh, yeah! Macho Man Randy Savage, Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, was in a state of shock when Ricky the Dragon Steamboat came back, yeah. But this time, in front of the largest audience in the world, I will not only embarrass you, not only pin you with the one, two, three count, but I'm gonna put you out of wrestling for good. Oh yeah, Dragon, I am the Lord and Master of the Ring, and you're gonna find that out, one athlete to another, right now! You can't be with me, no. History beckons the Macho Man, yeah! Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, Check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF, it might be WCW, it could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about Booking the Territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode 243. Thanks for being with us here. Quinn, Mm -hmm. we're reviewing something. Yes, we are. Now, this is uh, requested by Lewis Hare. Get a wild hair to do this one. (laughs) There you go. And folks, you too can request us to review something. Just go to our Facebook group. There is a pinned post called Specific Episode Review Request. Uh, Keep it at an hour max because that's what we do here on the weekly show. But add it to that. And our uh, producer, Richard Land, who is actually handling all the reviews now, he just tells us what we're doing. Yeah, if you want to try to get a review through, that's the man to talk to. Yeah, he'll put it on the schedule for us. So this Mm -hmm. time around, it's Challenge, November 2nd, 1986. Quinn... To set the landscape here, Challenge was relatively new. It had just debuted in September. Yeah, this used to be All-Star, right? Used to be All-Star. We are in that weird in-between period because there's no pay-per-views, really. Yeah. So the big event, which wasn't even a pay-per-view, but, you know, retrospectively, it's viewed as one. That happened in August. Mm -hmm. And the big feud that is still going on is Hulk Hogan and Paul Orndorff. Right. We're still many months away from WrestleMania, but the build is very, very slowly starting at this point. Very slow. Very slow. So it's that weird lull where really all they're doing is building their house show feuds. You know, right. there's no big thing to build to other right. than their live events. And then to make money every weekend on the that, house shows. That's all there yeah. is to it. So let's find out what's going on in the WWF here. It is WWF Wrestling Challenge. Thank you again, Lewis Hare. November 2nd, 1986. Challenge! There you go, Michael. There it is. Challenge! And this is, for the record, the uh, WWF Classic Sky Sports 1 feed. <laughs> of course he is saying that. Needed to mention that. Uh, we get the laser time intro here, Quinn. You know, mm-hmm. the usual. Yep. The recognized symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. And we are joined by Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby Heenan in a nice-looking arena. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Wrestling Challenge. I'm Gorilla Monsoon and my colleague here this week, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Very live in the arena, yes. by the way. Also, brain this early, yeah. 86. 86 brain. That's, 
brain and gorilla in 86 is odd. Isn't that weird? I always yeah. find it weird too. Yeah. Remember They're like the- slightly more formal with each other too. It's not, we haven't, they haven't broken in yet. Yeah. The original team, if you guys recall, was Johnny V and Ernie Ladd. That's with horrible. <laughs> That's lousy. This is a huge improvement. It is, to be fair. Uh, gorilla's kind of half smirking uh, the whole intro in his light blue blazer here. Bobby has a very gaudy, sparkly coat. And we throw to the classic, like, night court intro. Like weird jazz. You know the deal. You know the, the intro. The, the, the usual. It's good. That thing. Love it. Gorilla then runs down the card. I can't spoil it, No though. spoilers, Quinn. Why did they do this? Why did they tell us this? <laughs> so you know what you're going to see. And then we go up to Mel Phillips, unfortunately, who introduces, Quinn, a title match for what? one fall. <laughs> Excuse me? I'm not challenged. Must be November sweeps, man. Is I this think one of the rare, like, is there something like you can count on one hand how many title matches were ever on challenge? Probably, yeah. There's not a lot. <laughs> this is like the one of them. For those of you that don't know, uh, challenge was really never that important of a show. I mean, it, it was important in terms of promoting live events and then pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the wrestling lineup, usually it had even less than superstars. Right. You know? Which is not Which saying is much. not saying much. Uh, in the ring from Portland, Oregon... Billy Jerk Haynes. There okay. he is. Okay. And his opponent, the Macho Man. Fuck yes. When's the Macho Man? Now's the Macho Man. <laughs> Here we are. That's right. From Sarasota, Florida, weighing 236 pounds, the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion, Randy Macho Man Savage. Nice reaction for Savage, actually, as the old version of his song is playing. Yep, yep. You know, the faster, like, tense one. I know the one you're talking it's about. the tensest. Uh, Liz, of course, leads out the Intercontinental Champion. With like a hundred security folks. It's, like, ridiculous. Savage being paranoid, yeah, probably, right? Yeah. Make sure none of them touch Elizabeth. If even one <laughs> fingernail touches her on the way in, I will beat all will of you up. I will come to your house and I will cut you. Yeah. And we're going to put a happy little bush right down over here in the corner there. And that'll just be our little secret. And if you tell anyone that that bush is there, I will come to your house and I will cut you. We get a quick insert promo from Savage who talks about how the last time he fought Billy Jerk, there was controversy, but there's not going to be after this one. Okay, good. Danny Davis will be the referee. His hair is actually okay. Girl is all pissy, by the way, about Danny Davis being the ref. In November of 86. Seems so early for this. Right? Yeah. Remember we were mentioning this in the WrestleMania mm-hmm. 3 talk. They were building this for a long time. Uh, Savage actually has red tights and yellow boots tonight. And Gorilla mentions that it's very rare that a title's on the line. Then Brain quickly clarifies on TV because the way he said it sounded like it's very rare that titles are ever on the line. This is a title match. One of the few times in the history of the World Wrestling Federation that any kind of a title was on the line. On a television match. You're exactly... I like that even this early Brain's already like... He works so well with Gorilla, like, yep. that he can still pass it off that he doesn't like Monsoon in kayfabe, yep. but at the same time can cover for him. They always they, do. Yeah, it's it's very, very good. Very good. Uh, Bobby says the Bulldogs and Hogan won't put their titles on the line, that's why. Anyway, we get a lock-up Savage with a wrist lock, and he cranks it up. Reversed by Jerk into a side headlock. Savage back up, Haynes off the ropes with a shoulder block. Some boos are heard for Haynes. Back to the headlock. A handful of hair by Savage, which Gorilla points out. You see that? Yeah, I see that. Okay. Is that illegal? Yep, that's illegal. I don't care. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, <laughs> Doesn't Brain's care. Brain's good in this. He is good in this. Yeah. Savage back in control now with a cover off of a turnbuckle ram, which gets two. Liz now is very O-Randy for some reason, even though Macho's like in control. I didn't yeah. even like get what she was doing out there. You know the concerned Liz about yeah. everything? Yeah. Oh, no, he's winning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, Randy, you're winning. Yeah. 
Body slam fails, and Haynes gets a one count off of that. Savage back up. Snapmare, nice knee drop. Haynes pops right back up and falls into the ropes out of the ring. Good. Savage heads up top, and then a double axe to the floor. Which is awesome. Good stuff, man. I keep saying Haynes. I keep thinking of underwear over here. <laughs> like, what fruit of the loom going to enter this match next? Like, <laughs> yeah, and jockeying for position yeah. as well. Uh, back inside, covered by Savage, gets two. Savage goes for a suplex, which is reversed by the jerk. Both men are down. Savage is up first. Knee to the back. Jerk recovers, though. Lands a backbreaker. This isn't bad. Very even. Like, Very I was, like, even. surprised. Yeah, this is a pretty good match, yeah. right? This is not horrible. Not, not at all. Savage is back up, though. Tries a body slam, but Jerk turns that into a press slam. Liz is now rightfully concerned. Mm-hmm. I gotta say, the crowd is mainly cheering Billy Jack, but I do hear some boos for him, which... They want Macho Man. Everyone kind of liked him already. It's already obvious that this guy has to turn face at some point absolutely it's, it's starting to like creep up it's not only just liz it's just they like macho man remember at wrestlemania 3 we didn't mention this uh he gets cheered by a lot of the crowd even jesse points it out remember right. or gorilla does I, you know what i think's interesting about macho's face turn is, is that it's gradual very in a way because liz is essentially a face managing a heel Yes. That builds in that there could be some cheers, right? Right. But then it just starts to get overtly like, but he's a good wrestler and the fans like He's entertaining. He's enter- the fans like the character. And so they start to like both. Yep. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Haynes approaches. So Savage lands a kick to Portland and then an Irish whip. Duck under by Haynes. Full Nelson! Uh-oh. Come on, Macho Man. Don't I- don't lose here. <laughs> and the fingers, guess what? They're locked. Oh, boy. Shit. Davis checks the arm, even though Gorilla's like, he's not checking for a submission! Mm-hmm. Blatantly checking the arm. Anyway, Savage clotheslines Davis from the Full Nelson. <laughs> so Davis calls for the bell, and Gorilla thinks Savage gave up. And Jerk thinks he won, too. Has he watched wrestling before? So what I meant by this when I was saying this... The way I saw this when I first watched it, right, was that, oh, okay, so Macho Man got himself disqualified, yes. so why is Jerk, like, excited? Right, right. You can blatantly see Savage nails Davis. Right. So let's get the official word. <laughs> this is great. Davis takes the mic away from yeah. Mel Phillips. Right, right. This is, this is so good. Due to the fact that Billy Jack Haynes swung his opponent into the official, I disqualify Billy Jack oh. and award this match Randy Savage. <laughs> I was like, what? That's so good. That's good, That man. is so good. I like it. I did not expect that. <laughs> Me that, that Play that game there. Right, like, right. I did not expect them to go with that. That's so you know, funny. It's so stupid. And Davis making the announcement himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's He's really clarifying funny. clarifying why. He's explaining himself. <laughs> I love it. Totally fair. Totally fair. Yeah. So Jerk, of course, is all pissy, but who cares? Like, seriously, who cares? It's Billy Jack Haynes. Nobody was pining for him to be the Intercontinental <laughs> no. Champion. Uh, Savage gets the fuck out of there with Liz as quickly as possible. Gorilla all pissed. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Me too. I'm fine with that. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. We we go now to the wrestler's uh, rebuttal segment, which I gotta say, the bumper music under this was How Will I Know by Whitney Houston, which is good. It's so great. Let's go to the wrestler's rebuttal with the one and only. Man, they were at their peak with the music in WF at this point, huh? They were, and if I'm not mistaken, I think Richard might have said this to me. This is the last time they used licensed music. This yes, right here? I think so. This show. So, you know what's interesting? I want to say this. Go ahead. About WWF's history with licensed music. Yeah. In this point in time, from about 83 to 80, 86 here, I guess it is, technically, since it ends. Yeah. They... We're just picking the best shit, right? Oh, yeah, they did. I don't know what this garbage is nowadays that they're like, <laughs> we got Fuel and Creed. <laughs> and like, I don't know, some, all these horrible like rock bands, but they're not 
big deal. You know what I'm talking about, that that kind of music. That's like every single thing they pick now. I know, like for, when they, they're for like, 20 years. They're always like, look, we got licensed music from Triple H's iPod. Like, it's like, <laughs> like that's like what it is. I know, and it's all bad, man. It's like, it, <laughs> Back in my day. They I use just, Whitney Houston. Listen, I might not know the top hits of today because I'm a 35-year-old man, right? <laughs> However, I know that that's not it. <laughs> it's like, it's like they, why can't they like go out and license to, that, again, not Triple H's iPod, right. right? It's like, why? That's what it sounds like to me. I agree with you. you I know? don't know any of the shit that just they play. Get, just look at Billboard or something and say, can we get that? Right. Like, whatever's at, like, number one or whatever. <laughs> like, or look at the, they just have to look at Spotify. They don't even have to look at Billboard. That's true. You know, Spotify or Apple, whoever, just get the chart from there. <laughs> what's the number one one? Let's pick that. Yeah. Anyway, Hulk Hogan is here to tell us that Paul Orndorff is an absolute piece of shit, and he's going to beat the crap out of him. Basically, fuck Mr. Wonderful. Yep. Oh, yeah, of course I can beat you wrestling. That's for sure. I'm a lot stronger than you are, man. And without a doubt, all the Hulkamaniacs believe in me. And you know what? To be completely fair to Hulk Hogan here, Mark Rourke, he really didn't do anything wrong. Mr. Wonderful is an asshole. Oh, yeah. Mr. Wonderful's a total dick. He turned up. Yeah. And he stole his music. Yeah. Like, he's a jerk. Yeah. Hogan really didn't do anything wrong this time. Uh, anyway, back to ringside where our next match is a straight-up tag team match. In the ring, Quinn, is the incredible team of Terry Gibbs, perennial jobber, mm-hmm. and Iron Mike Sharp. Good. Ah! Their opponents come down to very ominous music. Yeah. Is this the rare theme, Joe, for this team? Is this yes, it? Yes, it is. The rare. It's Haku and Tama, the Islanders, with Ugh. their rare theme. That's good. Tama, Quinn, is so bold here. All happy. All happy. Like, yeah. yo, I'm here! <laughs> Haku and Tama, the Islanders. The Islanders joining us here this week on Wrestling Challenge. Bobby says their attire looks like some cheap motels are missing shower curtains. It's calm. <laughs> By the way, Haku without a beard is very friendly looking. It is. It's very like, like I'd invite him to dinner. Yeah, very cuddly. I would. I wouldn't be scared of him as usual. No, very friendly man. Uh, short trunks for the Islanders because their faces. The colors are mismatched too, which is weird for them. One's like dark and one's light. I, I was like, yeah. what is this? They're not like, matching gear. They usually have matching gear. Yeah, usually. Almost always. Yeah. Maybe not when their faces. I don't remember. Haku's is extra weird. Black and hot pink. And Thomas got like baby blue, baby blue and like yeah. white. It's like, very it's like, strange. I, I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> I know. Uh, we get a bell. Thomas starts with Gibbs. Referee's going to be Dave Hebner. Lock up side, head up by Gibbs. Shove off by Thomas. Drop down, leapfrog, reverse leapfrog, hip toss by Thomas. Arm dragging another one. Sharp wanders in and gets his ass kicked too. Man, Thomas good. No. He could go, man. There's a reason they had him on the roster. <laughs> For years. Yeah. <laughs> Haku with a quick shot for fun, then he tags in. Body slam on Gibbs is reversed. O'Connor roll attempt, but Gibbs blocks it. Elbow misses, though. Tag in is sharp. Meanwhile, we get an insert from the Dream Team as Johnny V is dressed like 2004 Billy Joe Armstrong. How is he still there with them? Why would somebody keep Johnny V employed this long? I could say. Yeah. I don't know, Quinn Grandma. Uh, Valentine and V make fun of the Islanders' names. Beefcake then says something about how... The only Islanders they know play hockey. The Islanders, the only Islanders I ever saw, they played hockey! Long Island kind. We get it. Yeah, Hi, Chuck Mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, back to the match, Tom is kicking Sharp's ass uh, before Rake to the Eyes changes that. Double team by the heels, whipping a double elbow. Haku is back in, beautiful drop kick on Gibbs. Body slams for everybody, headbutt on Gibbs. Irish whoop on Sharp, another beautiful drop kick sends Sharp out of the ring. Gibbs gets elbow tagging to Tama while Haku lands a front slam 
Big splash from the top by Tama. We're here, motherfucker. And Basically. the Islanders win. Yeah. <laughs> nice quick action. Love it. That was good, that wasn't was it? Fantastic. The Islanders were like a little treat every week on the TV back then. They from are, 86 man. to about 88. Yeah. They're like they're the team they always throw in there for like a quick win and they're like it's always like pretty quick and nice. Like they're the good the, wrestlers. It's good wrestling, yeah. And their music stinks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gorilla now throws this to Ken Resnick, uh, who is with Davey. From the Navy. Yes, and probably will be for life, honestly. Mm-hmm. He introduces us to Matilda. Wait, she's new at this point? Yeah, I she's thought that she has been around for a while. I think only since October. Weird. So she looks stupid and fat as usual, just mm-hmm. horrible. Anyway, Resnick says that maybe they're going to train her to be a manager. Good Lord, this shit is starting already. Where's, where's um, what's Craig? his head? Craig. Not yeah. yet. Matilda! <laughs> like Matilda, it. the manager of the yeah. British Bulldogs. This is literally the angle that made his career. It's the only thing he really did that mattered. Yep. Bulldog basically says, fuck Jimmy Hart, fuck the Volkov and the Sheik, fuck Valentine and Beefcake. Got Volkov and Sheik, we got Valentine, Beefcake, they're working their way up back to the top of the wrestling, World Wrestling Federation. Valentine, Beefcake, Volkov, Sheik, and the Hart Foundation. He looks like a deer in the headlights, by the way. Horrible. Davey is poor here. Yes, and then Dynamite suddenly wanders in, and somehow he's- I thought this was only Davey so by himself I. the whole time. Yes, and somehow Dynamite is even less well-spoken than Davey. I couldn't... This, all of this was bad, Joe. He's like, oh, play will get Matilda confused with Greg Valentine, which is not nice. Don't say it's, that. This is so poor. It's very poor. And uh, a lot of people get confused with uh, Greg Valentine because of the uh, short, stocky legs. We now cut back to Gorilla, who throws us to George Steele in a very large car, ordering some food at a drive-thru at Burger World. <laughs> this feels very Chevy Chase already, doesn't it? <laughs> Burger World. Yeah, like, uh, it's like, what is this, this vacation or yes, something? Yes, Wally it, World. Yeah, it's, it's really like that. So some driver orders some food before George just yells, eat at the drive-thru lady over and over again. Also, who is this old guy with no him? Idea. Who is this? Richard. <laughs> Why is he like George's chauffeur or something? Or like dad? I'm not sure. Like a shitty Buick or something yeah. or a Lincoln Town car? The guy is practically George's dad. Yeah, he's very old. Yeah. Not that Steele is any spring chicken. No. Honestly, this is probably the best way to use George Steele in the 80s. Agreed. Doing vignettes like that this. And wearing Sergeant Slaughter's pants. <laughs> yeah. And then the driver's like, tell him what items you want. Burgers, fries, shakes. And then he orders one of everything. Because he's an animal. Get it? Yeah, it's funny. We now go back to Mel Phillips uh, to introduce a six-man first in the ring, the Doctor of Style, Slick, good, mm-hmm. and his team. Hercules Hernandez, who is still doing the Bruiser Brody impression with the wooden gear or whatever. Yeah, you know I what I mean. <laughs> it's weird. Iron Sheik and, of course, Nikolai Volkov. Very proud team here. How much longer until the crunk, Joe? Isn't that soon? <laughs> Isn't that July or something? Yeah, it's, it's June. close. It's a while. Um, a couple months. Eh, next year. Uh, next, Mr. Volkov requests that we all rise and respect his singing of the Soviet National Anthem. So as he's singing, this is a little rude. Uh-huh. Corporal Kirshner's <laughs> Corporal Kirshner <laughs> again still here November <laughs> his music hits and he storms out with his all-star team of Lanny Poffo and SD Jones what the fuck SD Jones still looking for cheap tag wins in 86 
What? <laughs> yeah, that's a theme in his 83s and 84s, folks. Yeah. He tries to latch on to tag teams. So he'll he'll never win on his own. <laughs> right. But if he tag teams with someone, he has like a 75% chance of winning, right. I'd say. Right, exactly. Also, by the way, the jobbers get the regular entrance here. I don't know what I this don't is. I don't like that. This is very bad. And Lanny Poffo's hair is very upsetting. Mm-hmm. Bobby rightfully says that it was very rude that their music interrupted Volkov. I agree. Gorilla, who cares? Very, very rude. What the man was just about into the Russian national anthem, something he lives for, and then they started playing Ladies this. And who cares? <laughs> and now, a very crummy poem from Lanny Poffo. He calls the Sheik a freak, and then he just leads the crowd in a USA chant. And then he throws frisbees for cheap pops. It's... What a mm. clown. Lenny Like, it's good that they made him the genius. The genius fixed a lot of these problems. Because this isn't really that likable of a character. He's basically like Sal Balomo, but he can talk. You're right. It's the same thing. He can talk, though. And he's a better wrestler yeah. than Sal Balomo. Definitely. Mm-hmm. His hair is just as bad, though. Yeah. Anyway, SD Jones starts with Volkov, punches by Joan, headbutt and attack to Lanny, who leaps in with the forearm. Volkov says, fuck this shit, and punches him before tagging <laughs> in the Sheik. Irish whip by Sheiky, somersault by Poffo, and a dramatic leap to tag in Corporal Crappy here. Gorilla then throws us to a promo about Slick and Hernandez. Yeah, Her- very Hernandez right now, Joe. Very. Slick says that Hernandez is a special man, and he's going to take him to the world title. And to be fair... Hercules did face Hulk Hogan on Saturday Night's main event, like, right after this. Weird he's managing Hercules here. Like, because I, I think of Slick and Hercules in 1991 or 92. Like, oh. When's the Bobby switch? Bobby takes over it's soon, like, doesn't It's, like, gotta he? be soon. Isn't it, like, right after this? Don't they... Isn't there the money thing Slick gives Bobby? Isn't that, like, next week? Slick gets... Yeah, it's, like, Slick... We, we reviewed that. Yeah. Like, we're... Isn't Slick, it, like, right after but, this? Yeah, I think it's on Superstars show. Yeah, but... I feel, isn't Bobby already managing him by the time he fights Hogan for the world title at Saturday Night's Main Event? I think so. Okay. There's that scene where they're at a bank, Slick and Bobby. Remember that whole thing? And we thought it was going to be chicanery. Thank you very much. Slick like saunters out with like a bag of money. And we we thought there was going to be like some shit, but it's just straight. Yeah. It's like he just pays him and it's over. We we thought Bobby was going to short him or (laughs) something. Right, right. But they're just all friendly. Yeah. Anyway, Sheik is in with a gut wrench tag to Hernandez. Uh, Gorilla calls the referee Joe Morella, which is weird to hear Gorilla say that about his own son. His own son. Torture rack by Hernandez and it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> what a jobber, by the way. Like, geez. That was all fast. That was great. That face team was a bunch of crap. <laughs> it sucked. Us talking was longer than the match. It was very short, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, back to Ken Resnick, who brings in the killer bees. Hi! Yeah, they're very... <sighs> Brunzel has on the bees gear, but but uh, Blair has a shitty blue like WWF poncho or slicker, probably from the calendar that year. I think it is from the merch catalog. Yeah. He had to buy it too. They didn't even give it to him for free. Probably. They're like you work here. Who are you? Yeah. Are you an accountant? We don't even know who he is. <laughs> who the fuck are you? Anyway, Brunzel says that we're just as good as anybody. We want a shot at the British Bulldogs because 1986 is the year of the B. My question to that is: Did they win a title? Like I didn't <laughs> no. see them win one. So fuck the year of the B. And win shit. You're a B Arthur, maybe. Yeah. Hey, Golden Girls was hot shit in '86, man. It definitely was. Blanche. This is strictly off the record, but. Dirk's nearly five years younger than I am. <laughs> then what, Blanche? Dog years? 
Brunzel also mentions that, you know, they busted out of their hive in 85. Shut up! <laughs> Seriously, with these two right now, they're angering me. But you do like them in the ring, right? I like them in the ring, but don't <laughs> talk, please. They say dumb crap. You know, we busted out of our hive in 85. Anyway, Blair now backlands it up by talking about how, we you know, we got this kids wrestling tournament in Tampa. It's uh, 14 and under. It only costs a dollar to enter. And then he's like, you know, that's not about dropkicks. It's about the takedowns. And that's how it's going to be when we face the British Bulldogs in a scientific match. Promo is very rambly. They need to go. Uh-huh. All right. Back to ringside for another tag match. In the ring, Quinn, the manager, Jimmy Hart. Mm-hmm. He okay. represents Brett Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Nightheart, the Hart Foundation. Very good. Their opponents, though, also in the ring. Tito Santana. Okay, good. And Pedro Morales. What? He still works here? It's like a hundred. What is this? No, I don't want this. Isn't he there way, way, well into 87? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, Dave Henry's going to be the referee again. By the way, Quinn, Tito got a great reaction. He did. He's over as hell. Also, Mel Phillips called him Pedro Morales. <laughs> like he's Gene. I'm not kidding. Oh, Pedro Morales. Yeah, it's weird. Pedro Morales. The anvil starts with Tito, who has blue tights on, boot by Nightheart, Irish whip, shoulder block. Tito goes nowhere. The hearts have all black, by the way, with a pink stripe, just so we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, not the all pink yet. They not, hadn't done that yet. Not as dicky yet. Not as dicky. Drop kick by Tito, nicely done. Side headlock, shove up by the anvil, and Jimmy Hart hooks Tito's leg. Tagged to Brett. Tag into Morales, though. Brett backs off, whipped by Pedro. Oh, Pedro beating up Brett Hart. And a bad <laughs> I'm sure you love that. In 86. Uh, insert now. I love this. From Jimmy Hart. Who's like, I don't know why everyone's complaining about my megaphone, baby. My megaphone is good, and I don't like when the fans scream, my guys can't hear me. See? Face. He is a face. He's just trying to help. (laughs) He just wants his guys to hear him talk. He's trying to help them. Yeah. They can't hear him, so he gets a thing. That's it. He probably was at Kmart. He's like, this looks good, baby. This will work. You know? <laughs> and then I love it. As the promo ends, he just turns the siren on for fun. Why not? <laughs> right? Hey, nothing's unfair. Nothing's ever unfair that Jimmy Hart does. <laughs> Gorilla hates it, of course. Uh, the Hart's with a distraction, and Brett chokes out Morales with the tag rope. Anvil back in, by the way. Tagged back to Brett, but Morales is all bold. Mm. Front face lock by Brett, but Pedro reverses out into his suplex. Tagging to Tito. Nice pop for the tag. Headbutts by Tito. Forearm, Irish whip, reversed by Brett. Duck under high cross body. One, two. Anvil breaks the count. All four guys in now. Tito then chases Brett out of the ring, rams him into the guardrail. Double Naga knockers. All fall. four guys are brawling outside. This outside like battle is pretty cool for 86. Yep. I thought so, at least. Yeah. And I haven't seen Pedro move this like this in years. He hasn't moved this much since he was Intercontinental Champion, I'll tell you that He much. wasn't even moving when he was Intercontinental <laughs> Champion. Remember that? We watched it. Yeah, it was horrible. Did. He wasn't very good. Anyway, the bell rings for a double countout. So, let me get this straight. The Hart Foundation couldn't even pin Pedro Morales in 86. We're, we're, really, we're really doing that? He's like the Tony Gurria now, where it's like, why is he <laughs> hanging on like this? Yeah. Yeah. He's another one trying to get a cheap win in a tag match here. He doesn't fit in this time period oh, no. at all. Or into his pants yeah. from every few Remember years Remember, he's like got that. the extenders or whatever. Yeah, he does. And Stretchy. hemmed out or whatever. Yeah, hemmed him. Anyway, we get a replay, and we now go to the shitty snake pit. Ugh, this show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> the snake pit is bad. I don't like it. I've never it seen a good, good. one. It's yeah. Jake, but it isn't. It isn't. Anyway, Jake, uh, who's still a heel, by the way, has bright red shirt here and gray trousers. As he says, it's a very special week, and then he brings out Roddy Piper, who's a face now, in case you forgot. Piper's all pissy as Jake welcomes him to the new pit. Well, this should be reversed, shouldn't it? Yes, Piper's pit with Jake as a guest. Yeah. yeah How much better would that be? A hundred times better. This is poor. I know. 
Piper says he doesn't like snakes, and he's talking about Damien or Jake himself. And he doesn't want to even enter the pit, so he's just kind of standing in the entrance at but the step. he's afraid of the snake. Yeah. Which is weird for Piper to show ass. Yeah. He never really does. Yeah. Piper's never afraid of anything. I don't know what this sell. is. All I know is it's, it stinks. It does. Uh, Jake keeps trying to get Piper to touch Damien. That's not innuendo. Piper finally boots Jake in the ass, who does a Chevy chase, speaking of him, as Piper mm-hmm. wanders away. Thrilling. That was so pointless. I didn't like this. What was that? Yeah. Anyway, back to the ring where everyone is in the ring for this match. First, Quinn, it's the team of Barry O mm. and Tiger Chung Lee. That's incredible. It's, it's weird Tiger Chung Lee tagging with people, not Mr. Fuji. Ha ha. By the way, isn't Tiger there until like 88? Good. I really like him now. I now like that, that you do now. He grew on me in 80, 83, 84. He's really not bad. Yeah. Uh, their opponents are in red boxing robes, and they're definitely not fabulous yet. Yes, I'm talking about the Rougeau brothers. Good Mountie in action. And hi, how are you? We are wearing robes. We uh, are here today on this show challenge. <laughs> we are here to wrestle Barry O and Tiger Chung Lee. So Ray and Barry O start as Bobby says the Rougeaus have two bathrobes that don't fit. He isn't wrong. They stink. This whole bathrobe era for these guys, it was horrible. Why do they look like boxers? I don't I don't like it. Anyway, Barry O thinks that he's all fancy with his tights, by the way. They're shitty, by the way. And this is... What is that with a multicolored? It's like he was at the tight store and he saw that like there's like red, black, white, you know, all the different colors. And then he sees this one with the multicolors like that's awesome. Yeah, true. He's like way too excited about it. You know where he got those tights? Where? Tights are us. Sorry. Uh, Hip tossed by Ray, but he misses an elbow. So does Barry drop kick by Ray and tag to Jacques. We now (laughs) throw to an insert. From Dino Bravo with the brown hair. <laughs> and he's a heel, though. He's like, you know, the Rougeos, they, 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 they make me sick. And let me tell you something else, Jacques and Raymond Rougeau. You make me sick through my stomach. Who cares? Back to Jacques, who is in with Tiger, who lands a chop. Tags back to Barrio. We have a very funny exchange here from Grill and Bobby. Now, is that Jacques or Raymond? That's Jacques at the ring right now. Who cares? He just brought that up just to prove how much he didn't care yeah, about them. That was actually pretty funny. Yeah. Body slam by Tiger. He heads up top. Ray sneaks over there and tags him in, though. Tags in, I should say. Before they set up Le Bombe de Rougeau and get the win, at least it was quick. Yeah, but zero fucks given by the crowd. Turn them heel already, please. You know, I've noticed that in pretty much any face Rougeau thing I've seen. The crowd just, there was an uh, obvious reason they turned them heel. Yeah, and it worked, man. It worked big time. They were hated. Because they, they don't do anything. They're fine in the ring. It's not about the in-ring work. But they don't really do anything to en- that's engaging. They seem disingenuous, even, even here. Even when they don't mean to be. Yeah. Whereas when they're heels, they can do all their shtick and their yelling and their comedy. It's and great. It's so much better. Anyway, we get a replay and we now throw to big fat Jack Tunney to uh, find out <laughs> what... so fat here, by the way. Did you notice that? Jack Tubby. Yeah. Uh, we find out what he thinks of Danny Davis. So he's in a salmon coat, is uh-huh. Jack... And he says that the championship committee is fucking investigating if Danny Davis can be a fucking referee. Never fucking again will Danny Davis not be investigated. The WWF championship committee is investigating the worthiness of Danny Davis to continue as an official in the WWF. Back to ringside where Moondog Rex is in the ring. The rare appearance. (laughs) He never does anything. I'm usually used to seeing Spotty in singles action. Spotty's the one that jobs. Yeah. Well, it's before Demolition, remember? He, it's right. very close to Demolition true, starting. True, true. But now, Quinn, the strands of Sirius grace us, and Ricky Steamboat wanders out. The good music. I love This music is so good. That song. Thank you, Alan Parsons. Yep. Anyway, referees Dave Hebner. Steamboat quickly goes to work on Rex with arm drags, drags and hip tosses. 
flying head scissors is nicely done. Gorilla says Rex Moondog as if mm. like that's his first and last. Honestly, thing. I can't even fault him because who cares about Moondog Rex? <laughs> like no, like seriously. Oh, Rex Moondog over there, brain. Yeah. Uh, Steam it with a victory roll out of nowhere for the win. Good, <laughs> nice and quick. That was like two seconds long. That match was weird. Awesome. Uh, I feel we, like he did one other move that we're not even mentioning, but it doesn't even and matter. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we get the replay before going into Ken Resnick again. No Gene on this show, huh? I'm yeah. starting to notice. Is there contract problems again? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Do you like Ken? I like Ken. I don't mind him, but he's not that great either. He's like fine. Yeah. He's Stan Lane of this era. Man, a little better than Stan yeah. Lane, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> they, they do the they're same very, thing. They're very equal. <laughs> I'm sure someone's going to be like, no, Ken Resnick is great. Or what the are you big talking Stan about? Lane fans will come out of out of the closet and be like, what do you, yeah, that's that's his right, you know? Hi, fans, Stan Lane. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the point here is the Dream Team is with us, and they're going to tell us how the British Bulldogs need to fuck off because of what they said earlier. I couldn't even understand them, but okay. <laughs> like. Yeah. How did Greg Valentine understand that? <laughs> well, Valentine says that the Dream Team was robbed in Chicago. Still with this? We're still talking about this? It's like November. Is it just that everyone talks about this? I don't know. Long? Why is that so memorable? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Ugh, stop bringing it up. Beefcake does a very good job at saying nothing for most of this. Awkwardly just staring. Best promo I've ever heard from yeah. him. Valentine brags that we have dolls made of us. You can get them at Eckerd, any place you want to go. Kmart. It's <laughs> ridiculous. It's very awkward, I all like, of this. I like the idea that the Dream Team, after they lost the titles, they're just fucked. They're just horrible. That's yeah. like the, the storyline, yeah. though, isn't it? It's like they're trying to regain it. They never do. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it. Valentine now talks about how, you know, we've been on a world tour. We went to Australia. We went to the Outback, saw the Aborigines, rubbed some stick together, made fire, and now we're getting our belts back. Such a weird <laughs> promo, Joe. Like, they, they seem so lost. <laughs> I know, but I like it. Yeah. We're the dream team, man. We've got dolls made of us. You ever had a woman come up and say, you're just a doll? Well, that's the truth when they talk about the dream team, because we are dolls. They even got our dolls right over here at Eckerd Drugs. Any place you want to go, Kmart, you can get a Valentine and Beefcake doll. And I don't think Valentine, honestly, I don't think he's bad. Not here he is. On you the like mic, I was surprised how good he was he's, on the mic He's there. fun here. I've never heard him talk this much. <laughs> honestly, Jimmy Hart's usually with him, or Johnny V, or one yeah. of those guys. Yeah, V's not with him here, right? Yeah. Good. Huh. Anyway, great line from Valentine about how Davy Boy used to carry his bags in the airport. He used to ask me for my autograph. I like that. I believe that, too. Greg <laughs> Valentine's like 100 years old. Seriously, Valentine was already a pretty big deal in the 70s, mm-hmm. so you never know. Back to Gorilla and Bobby to run down next week's action. We're going to have King Harley Race, Coco Beware, mm-hmm. Honky Tonk Man Still a Face, and Roddy Piper Ooh, versus wait, Mr. Fuji. That, that sounds really good. We did review this one, so. <sighs> Roddy Piper versus yeah. Mr. Fuji is <laughs> chef's kiss. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> Anyway, that's I all. I love Mr. Fuji and I don't care anymore. He is like one of my favorites. Because as we've said, if you haven't heard us talk about it, folks, he does so little but makes so much out of it. it like, it's it's the he's so economical. Yes. He's like I feel like all wrestlers need to like watch him for a lesson on it. Right. It's weird. He does nothing but makes the most of it. It's incredible. Yeah. In it, the ring I'm talking and on the mic. It's really a fascinating watch. Like yeah. every every single time to me. He does nothing. He does absolutely. He just smiles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, Maybe does like a butt thing. Right? Right. It's nothing. Ha, ha. Chop. And then that's it. But, <laughs> no nerve pinch, maybe, right. if he's feeling if he's feeling saucy yeah anyway not a bad episode quinn quick fun some good storyline development i guess uh but no issues with this at all this is fun as i always say these are nice time capsules of whatever their time period is um 
But this show felt like it was waiting for WrestleMania 3. Waiting. For that build to start. <laughs> yeah. Overall, pretty good. Pretty good, right? I mean, it flew by. Can it we did, be honest about that? It did that? fly by. Watching yeah. it. I, this was an easy review. And nothing was cut from this, folks. The review might have been a little on the shorter side, but it's because of the economical approach here. Right. You know, it's very quick. It's just, here's a quick like match. Like from Mr. Fuji. Quick promo. Quick match. Quick promo. Just boom. Mm-hmm. And now you know what's going on no in the world. Shit. Federation. Yeah. Right. And some pretty fun stuff. The Islanders match was fun. Yep. The Savage and uh, Jerk match was Great fun. stuff overall. Liked it a lot. Lewis Hare. Thank you very much for your wild hair on this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciated this. Folks, like I said, if you want us to review something, go to the Facebook group. Specific episode review request. If you don't have a Facebook, email it to us, okay? Yeah, sure. O- OVPpodcastgmail.com. Do that. And another quick request here, and this doesn't cost you anything except a couple of seconds. If you have iTunes, Apple Podcasts, I think it's now called. Yes. Could you, would you, please, if you don't mind, leave us a review there. It helps. I don't know. It, ju- it helps. Helps to getting noticed. It, ju- it does something. So if you don't mind just leaving us a review. We can't tell you the technical, but we know it helps. We know it helps, and it's good, and it makes us happy. If you could please leave us a review. You don't have to, but I mean, it is free to do that. And again, if you want to support us, you can do that. You can go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You can get the 1984 canon and the pay-per-view reviews. But until next time, this has been episode 243. We will be back next week for week two of The Flush. Until that time, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn. We are out of here. See ya. Welcome to Burger World. May I take your order, please? Uh, yeah, let me uh, have a uh, burger. Uh, order french fries uh, and a coke. George, what are you going to have? Eat! Uh, George, I want to know what you're going to have. Eat! I'm sorry. Well, what's that second order, please? Eat! Now, George, I want to know what specific items you want to have. George, tell them what items you want. Burgers, fries, shakes. Sir, I can't hear you. I'll have to get the manager. Uh, Excuse me, I I think we can settle this. Sucks!